episode 190. <laughs> is that the one uh, after 189, but before 191? It is that, yes. How many episodes have we done to this point? It's probably about 200, but we can't officially say 200 because many were SEMA bonuses. Well, there are other bonuses in there, too. I will tell you right now. All right. You, what's your number? What do you think? Um, hmm. I am going with uh, 199. This is show 199. Ah, damn it. Uh, why damn it? Because you actually got something right. Because I meant to play this. Okay, so what I didn't hit it in time. What you're telling me is even when you actually win or are correct or guess right, mm-hmm. you still fail. That's correct. Okay. That's that's exciting. That's not a great way to start the show. No, it's not. I'll give you one episode to uh, shape up, because once we hit 200, mm-hmm. I, I expect at least a three-star lightning. Not a five-star? No, I mean, I would <laughs> wish. I've been been waiting. Mm. Sometimes in life, you uh, you just, you settle. You You're know the, you know what you have. <laughs> I have settled for me my whole life. Uh-huh. I wanted better, and this is what I got. This show or me. your whole life? Might know me. I no, look, no, 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 no. You're look wrong. In the mirror and I go, man, wrong. This sucks. No, this is what I got. Oh yeah, this is what <laughs> yeah, you got. That's what I got. Well, you could upgrade. Uh, it's hard. Mm. It's hard. Nobody wants to put in the hours <laughs> on this podcast. I don't know why. you I am do the it. only one dumb enough to do it. Uh, well, I think I'm dumber than you to do it, but that's a whole other topic. Episode 190 is going to be a whopper, and here's one uh, reason: it's a giant hamburger that's char grilled. Uh, yeah, with uh, the cheese. You got to get it with the cheese on it, right? You get I a don't cheese. Eat, I don't eat there. It's you horrible. don't eat Whopper? No. Oh, yeah, I love. I a mean, that's probably the best thing they have there, but it's one of those places where I'm always disappointed. Yeah, it looks better in the photos. Huh? I'm like, I'll try it. I'll do. I haven't been had it in four months, and I'm ready to uh, not be disappointed. I, I've forgotten how bad it is. And then you go and you're like, eh, like no, White I, Castle. I, I always enjoy a Whopper. White did, Castle was gross. No, no, no. no White no, Castle I, screwed me again. I went to Vegas uh-huh. for the Raptor drive that we're going to talk about in this episode. Right. And on the way there, they have that one White Castle with the Chevron gas station. And uh, I'm like, I think it's Prim or Gene, one of the two. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all have four little tiny burgers on my way to Vegas because I didn't have breakfast today. I'm ready for lunch. And I t- I'm telling myself in the back of my head, you're going to regret it. They're crap. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And then I went there and I went, smells all right. Now, wait, wait. As you're turning off the 15 freeway, yeah. getting off, because I know yeah. that exit. Yeah. You're getting off. Are you thinking, this is not going to be good? This is this is a waste of a right-hand turn. The, no, it's a left-hand turn. Oh, it is? Oh, you're right. You have to cross over. Yeah, I'm going right. north. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, this time will be better. And then as I'm driving away, I put the first one in my mouth, instant disappointment. <laughs> Instant disappointment. It's, it, it's horrible. Just when your tongue or your or your, your lips touch down on the on that crappy bun. It's just it's it looks like it should be better than it is, and it never is. It's tasteless. No, it has a taste. It is, does it? Yes. Yeah, well, the, the microwave ones just have no taste. It's <sighs> just uh, just globule. And then I tried to. Well, I I had all four of them because <laughs> I couldn't stop. <laughs> Because it's just there's it's food. They you put something in there that uh-huh. makes you just go, well, I'm not going to waste these. Yeah. Do you think White Castle's better or worse than my brisket and tri-tip that you had this week? Oh, my God. It's way worse. Nothing compares. Even my kid and my wife uh, were enjoying it. You know what? I'm not a red meat guy. I do eat red meat. I don't dislike it. I have it. never I'm seen just... you not eat red meat, just for the record. Hold on a second. I'm not talking about hamburgers. I mean, like <laughs> steak, that type of thing. Is this like thing. the F-150 modification yeah, thing where you have caveats. your own rules? Oh yeah, I got God. caveat on, on top All of right. caveat. All right. And the pepperoni on your pizza. My fam- And the sausage. For whatever reason. Uh-huh. I actually do know the reason. Do you want Do you the, want the actual I, reason? Uh, sure. 
Does okay. our listener want the reason? I was at Sizzler <laughs> many years ago uh-huh. when I was a child. Yeah. My and I got a steak because that's what my father told me to order yeah. is a steak. No. My God, it wasn't Sizzler. It was Black Angus. I don't know if any are there oh, Black yeah. Angus. There still are. One Fountain Valley just down the freeway. Guy puts the the waiter puts the the steak in front of me. Yeah, and it's so fatty. It's so That's delicious. So, no, That's where the flavor is. Nope. Ribeye. Nope. Listen to me. I had just earlier that day. Yeah. Seen a film in my uh, human. Uh, I don't know the class where we learn about it's biology. I guess I was oh, in biology. Okay. Okay. There was a guy, a fat guy on the table, dead, a corpse, and they and they make an incision <laughs> across his belly. It's called an and, autopsy. An autopsy. Well, it wasn't really an autopsy. It was just, I don't know what they were doing, but it, it's, it's the fat splayed out, yeah. just burst out of this okay. guy's belly. And that was the same fat that I was staring at. I almost lost my cookies uh-huh. at the dinner table. Okay. I pushed it away. I, I didn't eat steak for over 15 years <laughs> after that. <laughs> when I worked for the police department, we had to go watch an autopsy. And I saw the same thing. Oh, my God. And there's times where I look at my fat self right now, and I'm like, this, if I, this would be embarrassing <laughs> if I died because there's going to be a, bit, a bunch of you know, police cadets standing around the, the uh, you know, medical examiner's office going, that guy had a lot of White Castle. I will never forget how many incisions they had to make to get through all the fat. <laughs> and they finally cut through, and it just burst. It just... But how just, does that make you feel now, oh knowing that you could be that guy? Oh, it's awful. I look down, I'm like, oh, have me the, the double whopper. You know what I mean? <laughs> So anyway, that uh-huh. carried all the way through. Now, I, I do, when it's lean, which your brisket was really lean, um, at least the, the stuff that That's I had. That's not true, but okay. okay well, what the, I, so here's what I do, just so people who are listening going, lean brisket? What's it? So obviously there's the moist brisket, and then there's the leaner side. When I cook for friends, I usually cut the point off, and I'll do uh, burnt ends if it's a small group, and then I slice the brisket. But when I cook for a giant group, because what was that, like 65 people at my house? Yeah, at least. Uh, we, uh, I chop it all together so that the, the it's really consistent. So there's nothing that's too fatty and moist and nothing that's too dry and lean. So that's it was chopped for sandwiches, basically. It was phenomenal. And I'm, I'm giving you a compliment because no, I, I clean, I'm not a steak guy. I cleaned it. I cleaned the plate. Did you have the smoked tri-tip? I, uh, that was the one next to it. Yes, I did. <laughs> that was the slice stuff. Yeah. Right. I had it all. It was good. I had the it kielbasa? all. Kielbasa? Yeah. I, oh, the kielbasa crushed. Yeah. Crushed. Pretty solid. I, went, I had seconds on the kielbasa. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. So uh, it is the Truck Show Podcast, <laughs> not the Foodie Network. Um, again, we're talking about the 2021 Ford Raptor, and they're also calling it, I think, the Raptor 37. And we're also checking in with Nick Somos, founder of Peak Suspension. And if you know that name, you know that they're the experts in Colorado suspension. And they've recently branched off into... They've got Toyota Tundra stuff. They've got full-size Chevy truck. So anyway, we'll get into uh, peak suspension as well. But first, we've got to give a shout-out to our friends at Nissan. Well, by the time you hear this, the uh, Nissan Frontier should be hitting your local dealerships. If you want to check that out. Like right today? Yeah. Yeah, right now. You should be able to go right down to your dealer, and they should be trickling in. Not you. You have a podcast to do. Okay. You have a podcast to do. Uh, the new uh, fairly Nissan. inconvenient timing. You realize that, right? Right. Yeah. 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 The podcast, or yeah. 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 Well, you still have to buy a truck, so I do. You do. I need to go down and and, and test drive. All right. One. Well, let me try and sell you a, a Nissan Frontier. Okay. I'm going to just walk in the door. Hello. Hey. What's going on, Mister Nissan guy? Uh, you need to buy that truck. Frontech one. What is it called? That would be the Nissan Frontier. Oh, the sir. Frontier. That's oh, the uh, okay. Pro I'm, 4X. I'm unfamiliar with that. Uh, it's crew cab, four wheel drive, Bilstein uh-huh. shocks, electronic uh-huh. rear locker. Can I lower it? 
And that would be dumb because it's four by four. Oh, okay, got you it. You can All do right. it whatever you want, sir, but uh, it's not leaving here lowered. It has zero gravity seats in the front. Oh, so it's comfortable. It has a nine-inch uh, screen in it and the uh, same Fender audio system as the Nissan Titan, which means that it sounds freaking phenomenal. Tell me it has CarPlay. And Android Auto, sir. Oh, I'm in. You can also uh, get a spray and bed liner and Utilitrack uh, tie-down rails, adjustable tie-down rails in the back. Will they let me do a, a snow angel as they're spraying in the bed liner? Uh, you doing a snow angel or a smaller person? Uh, me. All right, then, sir, we have this Nissan Titan over here. We uh, Much bigger bed we'd <laughs> like to uh, step you up into. By the way, uh, You're Nissan Titan. You're an salesperson. And Nissan Titan <laughs> XT have a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. So uh, even someone like you, sir, would be protected from anything going wrong. What are you saying? I'm saying that a, a non-truck person like yourself might need a little uh, help from the manufacturer to to uh, enjoy your vehicle. Okay. Peace well, of mind. I appreciate you walking me through this fine establishment and, <laughs> and, and letting me see that uh, I need one of these fine Nissan products. Do you think anyone at Nissan will like that we've just <laughs> gone through this? They'll go, what? what are you guys selling again? We're selling the Nissan experience through the podcast. That's yeah, what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're hey, making it come alive. In all seriousness, head on down to your Nissan dealer. You can check out the Nissan Frontier in person right now. Awesome, badass little truck, right size, exactly what you're looking for. Class leading 310 horsepower. But how would you know? You haven't driven it. Uh, yes, yes, I have. I know you have. That's why I was saying it. I was and being, uh, I was a sarcasm guy. And you can find my first drive review on the four wheeler section of the MotorTrend.com website. Head over to NissanUSA.com after you read my article and you're ready to buy. So just before we crack the mics open, Mr. Holman, uh, a few moments ago, I fell in love with a tool. Let me uh, let me qualify that, and I don't mean you uh, being the tool. Okay. So many. What what I, I know. I'm. I got a question for you. You got your three eighths inch ratchet, okay, yeah. and you can't get enough torque. You just can't yeah. get enough elbow juice into the elbow juice grease. You just don't have enough torque. Elbow juice. Elbow juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling if you apart. say elbow juice three times, and something <laughs> creepy happen. Listen, uh, your torque. You can't break the nut free. All right. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. What do you do? What do you do when you can't How get enough leverage? How often do you happen to use hand tools? <laughs> Just a lot. Listen to me every day. Uh-huh. When you can't get enough leverage, right. what do you normally do? I take my mag light apart and I use the metal uh, casing, <laughs> slide it over, and I use it as a snipe to get additional leverage. Listen, or someone's got a, a pipe laying around there and they slide it over and they extend the length of it. Do you know that Duralast has a 3 8 inch drive extendable ratchet? So when the sucker's not long enough, you go, you press the button, you go, chick, 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 chick. And it grows like six, eight inches. Now you got the leverage you need. I've never seen one before. It's only $31, dude. Is this you in disbelief? I, I'm amazed that you found something that you loved. I, I'm no joke. I'm buying this. I'm buying this. I'm buying it now. All right. Here's why it has quality reviews. That's because Duralast features a complete line of professional grade technicians hand tools engineered for what matters most, speed, access, and strength. Sockets and wrenches feature off-corner loading technology to help prevent the rounding of fasteners. And professional grade ratchets and drive tools feature chamfered square drive lead-ins for fast and easy placement of sockets and accessories. Duralast tools are manufactured with heat-treated forged alloy steel for superior strength and feature full-polished chrome finish for corrosion resistance and easy cleaning. All Duralast tools are guaranteed for life. If you're looking for impact sockets, breaker bars, ratcheting socket wrenches, locking pliers, cutting tools, grip sockets, locking adjustable wrenches, long reach pliers, and more, go to DuralastParts.com. All right, you guys know that I'm a big fan of Bilstein Shocks, and uh, Bilstein Shocks is a big fan of the Truck Show podcast. So the shocks that you want in your truck are from the company that invented the Monotube back in 1955. 
Bill Stein has full coverage today for all popular vehicles, including direct replacement performance, leveling kits, all the way up to race parts. In fact, you can find Bill Stein's from the factory on Nissan Titans, Frontiers, Ram TRXs, and the new Ford Bronco. When manufacturers want the best, they choose Bill Stein. And uh, so do I, because I just received mine today. You got your 8100s. The ones that I've been waiting for for like a year and a half. Did you dry hump the box? Uh, no, because I went to Mike Rice at Adventure Off-Road. <laughs> I did ask him if I could come over and make love to them, and he said, not today. Okay. It was actually the tax. And I said, tomorrow? <laughs> I think he was busy today. Didn't have uh-huh. time for my uh, box humping shenanigans. Did he send you a photo of them? Um, he did not send me. He just said that they arrived. Oh, good. Oh, you know what? I don't know if I have them. He didn't send a photo. Mm. You know what? I He was just trying to no. poke, poke the bear. No, I know what that bastard did. He took my box of shocks home, and he's humping them right now. Oh, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to get sloppy that's, seconds. I know. That's why he's not going to send me a picture. It's embarrassing for I him. I mean, but, but listen, these Bill Stein 8100s are probably good enough to uh, accept sloppy seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're. Uh, thank God they have a good uh, wiper seal to keep all the all the <laughs> insides in and the outsides out. Hey, uh, Bill Stein also has 8100 direct fit bypass and smooth body shocks like mine for the JL and JT. And you are all- not. You are not a smooth body. I sure am. <laughs> There's no sharp edge on this thing. Oh, I see. Yeah, true. I got uh-huh. you. And also, if you're looking for new control arms for your Toyota Tacoma, Bill Stein has you covered there. Head over to BillStein.com to check out their extensive catalog. You'd be surprised. They still have applications that go all the way back to the 50s, all the way up to everything uh, today. Uh, if you're their warehouse has got to look just absurd. It's giant. Yeah. And also awesome. And a few other ways to make your truck awesome is reaching out to our friends at DZ. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E. You mean the uh, quality truck accessory people? Uh, that, As far as I know, they're the only DZ. Well, the DZ I'm talking about has been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in central Iowa since 1977. Their products get you work ready with toolboxes, transfer tanks, side steps, and truck bed protection and weekend ready with overlanding products, roof racks, and Jeep accessories, just to name a few of the things they offer. But all their stuff is made overseas. Uh, nope. Like I said, Central Iowa since 1977. Oh, that's rad. A true made-in-America company. Be the first to know about new products by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at DZMFG. That's D-E-E-Z-E-E-M-F-G. Or you can check out their full product lineup at DZ.com. D-E-E-Z-E-E dot C-O-M. What do you say we start the show? The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. The truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Did you say oh no or oh oh? Oh oh. I was thinking you should have said oh no. <laughs> Why? Why would I say oh no? Because uh, for 199 times, people have heard us do that. Yeah. Although I don't think that they know that we're singing on top of yes, the they existing singing. We've talked about it. They absolutely know. You think so? Yeah. This is where they push 15 seconds. I have three seconds to talk about it before they come back. So here we go. <laughs> Next up, 2021 Raptor. Holman? You, uh, Carnival Barker? What's I was like the no the baseball guy happening. That's not a baseball guy. What would he do? It's like a guy that tells a seal to bounce a ball on his nose <laughs> in the middle of an arena with well, a, would a baseball canvas guy top. do it. I'm not doing old timey baseball guy. Yeah, you are. No. Do it. Old, <laughs> give me some old timey baseball guy. <sighs> Come on. He, he hit it, and there's a can of corn, and the guy's gonna catch it. By the way, can of corn. You know why they call it a can of corn? Uh, no, I don't. So 
a uh, pop-up is usually a can of corn, and they'll be like, it's a can of corn! It's because the cans of corn used to be on the top shelf at the old general store, and people would knock it down with a broom, and you'd have to catch it. I didn't know that. So that's a can of corn. There's huh. a little baseball trivia for you. I, I thought it was going to have some, like, uh, what, what's, what's the corn, the, the, the crappy caramel corn that you get at baseball games back in the day? Cracker Jacks? Cracker Jacks. That would be a box of Cracker Jacks. That's oh, different than a Maybe can of they came in cans back in the day. I don't know. Uh, all right. So I just got <laughs> back from driving the 2021 Ford Raptor. So uh, this is going to be a nice little truck review. Truck review. Yeah. Rolling colon dragon truck nuts. Didn't roll coal or drag truck nuts, but what I did do is drag a giant dust cloud behind me as we uh, were ripping through the desert. So first up. Set up the story. Where were you? Uh, it was outside of Vegas. And then Ford put uh, this awesome drive together out to Dumont Dunes, which is the dune complex uh, just outside of uh, Death Valley. And it was awesome. It was actually a really great course. Uh, did a, like an overlanding course. For those that aren't on the West Coast, the two big like sandy areas, the dune areas, are Glamis and Dumont Dunes. Now, I never went to Dumont Dunes, and it's going to trip you out. Why? Because I have- Afraid of aliens. Nope. I have three friends that broke bones- at Dumont Dunes, and they all attributed to the uh, the dunes being so uh, high and sharp that they were either crashing into people or rolling over. And it just, I'm like, I don't want to go there where I everyone's don't think getting hurt. Worse than Ocotillo or uh, or Glamis. Well, Ocotillo is not really sandy, but Glamis well, there's, is. There's uh, Blow Sand Hill or whatever. There's there's definitely sand. I I was told by guys who go there who go to frequent both places uh-huh. that. Uh, the Dumont is just like Razorbacks. Well, Dumont's awesome, and I can't wait to go back because what Ford did was— Did you break any bones? No, we didn't, and we had a uh, highway drive out there, a great highway loop, and then we got to there assembled with like 50—maybe well, not 50, maybe it was 40. I mean, it was 30. I don't know. It was a lot of Raptors. I saw all the Raptor yeah. tailgates lined you up. You see it on my—yeah, go to at Sean P. Holman on uh, Instagram. You can see some pictures of it. But we had a huge group, and they broke us up into four groups— and they had four different stations. And so basically uh, we had a, a kind of a rally through the dunes and the dirt and the trails. We had a uh, really cool like sand dune runner deal. We had a wash run. And then we had a, um, a whoops, like really long whoops uh, section. And um, I got to tell you, the Raptor is a solid upgrade. Big changes are to the rear suspension. It's now a link coil with a pan hard bar on the back. So coil spring, solid axle, uh, basically a five link setup. And it's phenomenal. It's so much better than the old leaf spring. So if you've got a last generation or second generation Raptor and you're looking at this truck, go buy it. It's that much better in terms of the suspension and everything. It's not perfect. And I'll get into that in a minute. But first we want to hear from uh, Tony Greco uh, from Ford. Did a quick interview about the Raptor program. Let's uh, go through that, and then I'll talk about my experience. All right, so I'm out here uh, at beautiful uh, Dumont Dunes with Tony Greco from Ford. So, Tony, what is your uh, official capacity for Ford these days? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm all things Raptor and within Ford Performance. Um, so I've been with uh, uh, Ford Performance for six-ish years and non-Raptor for just about five and a half of that. So you're the guy that we really want to know because you're going to be busy for the next couple of years. Hold, Holman, well, hold Raptors, it one, uh, just, uh, one yeah, second here. Yep. Hi, come here. Yep. Come closer. Nope. High five me. Why? High, just is, high is five me. Is this a trap? Just I look. My hand is clean. Okay. High five me. High five me. Great audio. Okay. Great audio. All right. Continue. Thank you. Constantly moving, uh, moving thing that uh, you know. Uh, we're certainly happy that this one is uh, now shipping to dealers, and we had a chance to get you guys to uh, experience what it can do on road, off road, and uh, yeah, we'll go. Uh, we'll go on to the next. So. Uh, 
I guess the best place to start with this, this isn't the Raptor R, because that's going to be the question that everybody asks. This is the V8, this is the V8. And we don't necessarily talk about future programs. So we'll focus on the V6 today. So same horsepower and torque as before, 450, 510, but the curves have been moved a little bit. And then you guys actually spent a lot of time on the exhaust, where to me, I was joking earlier, I think it sounds a lot more like a uh, Ford GT and less like a Ford 9N. And uh, is it's at full tilt, it has that really cool exotic car kind of whale, which you guys didn't have before. Yeah, so I mean, again, it's it's a it's a byproduct of you know listening to customers who had told us on the last gen that they wanted a, a more menacing presence presence from the exhaust note, and you know we take that to heart. We go. So that was the biggest complaint. Am I am I wrong there? Like that was I the don't know one if it's thing. The biggest complaint, but it's definitely it was on. I'd say it's top three probably. So I was up in Big Bear. I'll never mm -hmm. forget. This is only a couple of months ago. I was hanging out my, with my buddy Zeke eating a burger at mm -hmm. this outdoor place, and a guy pulls up with a brand new Raptor. I'm like, dude, beautiful truck. He hops out. He goes, I love it, except for the sound. Yep. That's what he said. He goes, I love it, except for the sound. And then he went in and got his burger. So they have this crazy new exhaust. So it's now equal length. There's a trumpet on the. Uh, I guess it would be on the passenger side. Nope, a trumpet oh. loop in the exhaust prior to the muffler to make sure that it's equal length going in. And they have a crossover, but it's after the muffler. And then they have these valves that are variable. It's not just open and closed, so mm -hmm. the sound can change. I think there's four modes of sound loudness. And they actually have a third pipe, which they call the quiet pipe, which comes out. So the muffler has two in and actually three out. It's, it's wild, but it sounds the way a GT sounds on the track where it just has that really cool wail. It sounds a lot more like that when you've got 30 Raptors in a row accelerating on the highway. It can still sound like angry bees when they're all around <laughs> him. It's still a V6. But listening to people get on it, it was like, man, that's such an improvement. Now, it's never going to be a V8. It's never going to sound like a V8. But they're owning that it's a twin-turbo, direct-injected, dual-overhead cam V6. That makes 450 horsepower. That That's exotic in a lot of things. Um, I'm glad to see they're owning it. And I'll say it's not overshadowed by them pumping in noise in the cabin. There's still a little bit of that, but they, I mean, it's like 90% less than it used to be, really? that V8 sound. So there's still a little bit of that sound trickery going on, but the exhaust itself actually any it, way it to Any cool. way to disable that sound trickery? There is not. Wow. On this uh, uh, Raptor, you know, when you kind of open the patient and you redo the rear suspension, some package space opens up, you can kind of do something clever, and I think that's what we try to do. The, the sound speaks for itself. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of V8 noise being piped into the cabin like there used to be. You can really, there's a little bit of ambient noise, but overall you, you are really able to enjoy that V6. And the thing is, you know, it's an exotic engine in a European car. It's, a, it's you know, uh, twin turbo V6, direct injected, dual overhead cam. You know, there's nothing to be, you know, ashamed of. Let's hear it. And this is the first time, I think, in the truck lineup where the EcoBoost engine has sounded great. Yeah, and again, right, so within the portfolio of, uh, you know, uh, Ford Performance, you know, there's certainly the Ford GT. Uh, Ford GT has an EcoBoost that's one at Le Mans. Um, they kind of were the first to, to do something unique with their exhaust and make it sound like it, a, a V6 turbo could sound. And we just kind of, again, that's another piece of the puzzle, right, that kind of we, there's learning across the organization. And... Um, but we were passionate about, you know, adding something to the exhaust that wasn't there perhaps in Gen 2. And um, I think the, you know, we've gotten really good uh, feedback on it. And I really think we hit the mark with it. Yeah, it sounds great. And if you look at the, uh, the chassis cutaway, you, you have a, a trombone in front of the muffler, crossover after the muffler. You've got um, valves that open, but they're not open or closed. They can change position. They're variable. They're variable. Uh, so the sound is, is really cool. But 
you mentioned part of the ability to play with the exhaust was the packaging of the rear end. So the real star of this show is the fact that you guys have gone to a five-link rear suspension. You've got really long parallel arms in the back. You've got uh, coil springs. And what I thought was interesting is when you pull apart the rear And by the way, they're not just uh, coils. It's a triple-rate coil spring in the back. And so and they're at the TRX to this point had the longest or tallest springs at, I think it was 23.7 inches. The Ford ones are 24 inches tall. So they're massive, massive coils. So to back. pull off a, a triple rate, I'm trying to think how the coil looks. It's going to be it's a tight at the top, and yep. it's middle, and then it's spread out at the bottom. But it is a single coil. I'm not like, so like the, the supercars will have two separate no, coils. No, no, no. That's a tender. That's different. That's a coilover. These aren't coilovers. These are just big coils. Just, okay, interesting. And uh, the they're able to take a payload up 200 pounds. So I believe payload's 1,400 now and towing 200 pounds. So now towing is 8,200 pounds. How did it feel? It felt great. Are you going to get into that? Rear suspension, the coil buckets on the bottom or the perches are actually bolt-on, and you've got a few different sizes of coil springs, and they can mount in different locations. That's going to make the aftermarket guys really happy when they come to play with the truck. Yeah. So again, our uh, we we brought along with us in uh, in this event, uh, you know, our ch our chassis guru, and he was adamant that the aftermarket is uh, something we need to pay attention to. So there's there is aftermarket opportunities both on the spring perches, which are bolt-ons, as you said. But also with the trailing arms, you can do something cool, you know, billet, you know, there's, the sky's the limit. People come up with all kinds of different things to, to do with those components. But the five link is really where this product started uh, three years ago. And it's just to get it to this point and have you guys all come out. And the overwhelming feedback is that, you know, it's, it's considerably better, um, you know, than the Gen 2 on-road, off-road. The rear end compliance is quite, quite different, quite better than it was in Gen 2 is, is really, really nice to hear. Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, you don't have the back and forth head toss that you would have with the old leaves. You can actually feel the axle articulate and roll over obstacles rather than transferring it mm -hmm. into the cab. Um, and then the, the Gen 2 Raptor, while it was a, a great truck and was pretty amazing when it came out, at the limit, you definitely get some issues with the chassis skating on you. So on top of the whoops or on a decreasing radius on-ramp turn that maybe had broken pavement, you can get it to do it in the, on the street. And it just, you know, didn't inspire as much confidence as it could. What did you mean, Holman, by it was skating, the chassis was skating on you? Uh, when you would be um, on top of the whoops, like if you're going fast. So the things I didn't like about the old truck are the rear suspension. Like, let's say uh, by my house, if you remember uh, Springdale, Westminster, 405 on-ramp used to have that decreasing radius turn with broken pavement from the trucks. The rear end would step out on you. Or if you're going fast on the whips, the truck would want to rotate on you at speed. So if you're going 60, 65 miles an hour, it's the nose is pointing right and left and you're having to steer into it. Uh, and it's just really loose. And the new truck doesn't do any of that stuff at all. So it's a lot more um, confidence inspiring. Gotcha. I noticed that you guys have added some rebound into the rear uh, shocks as well. So you don't get that pogoing that you would in the old truck. And one of the things, you know, we are out here on, we had four different courses. You guys set up a, a sand dune course, a rally course, a whoops course, and also a, uh, like a wash course. And the thing that really struck me is how balanced it feels front to rear and laden and that you don't get that kicker that you used to yeah. get in the old truck. And um, you don't feel like the rear is trying to come up around you. It's, it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's amazing what that change has done to the Raptor platform. Someone was asking me today, um, hey, when did this all start? When did you guys get going on this? You know, and it, I, I kind of started thinking back and like we've probably been going on this since, you know, like two, late 2017, early 2018. We built our first level of um, prototypes shortly thereafter. We knew we were pretty passionate with the five link. We knew what we wanted to do. 
and we came out here and we drove it and right off the bat i mean we didn't have the right quite the right hardware yet everything was off of a prototype tool so we saw the uh the spy photos the spy of the, photos right? with, with the uh i think you had the mount for the uh the um track bar was mounted to the cover or something like yeah, that yeah. and we we're going what are these guys yeah. doing yeah so we definitely out, not the case now no no and we came out and uh, we drove it and we knew at that point right that we were definitely on the right track yeah but there needed to be some refinement. So like all the next year and a half, we, it's a continued evolution of coming out, testing, tuning, retesting, and minor tweaks in the hardware, but like- By the way, listen to the uh, Raptors in the background. Oh, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> As you said, right, there's a, there's a, there's, you know, our guys are constantly paying attention to that balance front to rear. Yeah. And, and then the shocks, you know, like, again, you can tune shocks till, you know, till the, <laughs> till the sun comes down. But really, you know, the truck for what it is, right? We've, we have kind of gone back, we've learned from what the Gen 2 truck was. There was, obviously with the, with the Leafs, there was issues that would arise in certain um, situations as you've addressed. We've learned from those. We, like, we know those, we got that feedback. We hear from the journalists of write things sure. like that. And we take that to heart. And then how are you going to then address that and to mitigate some of those issues, right? You you really got to move off of the the our uh, suspension architecture that we were on. We did that. Um, that was a massive commitment. And then everything starts from there, sure. right? Because travel, you know, uh, shock technology, yep. all that kind of builds on top of having the right architecture first. Well, and I could tell just from driving it. I mean, literally pulling out of the parking lot, I could tell the difference with the, with the rear suspension. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of time in Raptors, uh, both the first gen, five four six two, and the second gen. So I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how a Raptor feels. And this was everything you want from the Raptor, except with way better manners. And I just, I was so impressed with just how good this chassis is now in terms of feeling that travel. And, and you've got the ability now, two different chassis, you've got a 37 option tire, which actually gets a different, uh, some different stuff done to it. It's not just- I you can't even hear you, Holman. I'm just listening to the, the trucks in the background. A lot different than before. Yeah. I mean, they way different. Wildly different. Yeah. Different shocks, which are the 3.1 Fox internal bypass shocks. But before we get into the shocks, I just want to say, we all know that the Raptor R is coming. It's, it's around the corner. I can absolutely see why you would need this suspension at that horsepower level. Because if it made such a drastic change with the uh, 3.5, I can only imagine what it's going to be like with the V8. So it's, it was definitely the right move. Yeah, I think there's a there's a perception that, you know, like a, a lot more horsepower is going to be make you a lot more capable. And I don't think we've ever had that school. No. Like we've never followed that school. Of thought, you, right? you run out of talent before you run out of uh, chassis <laughs> yeah, in a lot of cases. Right. You're you're talking about guys that can take it really, really to the limit. And yeah. there's really few of us that can do it. I certainly can't. But I will tell you that our focus remains as it did on day day one with Raptor that you know the chassis you know the bits in the suspension the shocks everything that is happening in that uh, attached to that frame is really what's going to make you capable out here in the dirt so the other big change obviously go to the shocks so you've got the uh, internal bypass foxes with live valve so that came through halfway through gen 2 mm -hmm. but you've got a uh, 3.1 bodied shock so it's basically this uh, the same piston and internals the body's bigger for more pressure more fluid on the 37s um, you guys have done a really good job, I think, of bottom-out control. And also, really quick, uh, the 3.1s are on both the 35 model and 37 model. Mm. I did say 37s, but uh, it's the same shock on both with some differences in travel and tuning and things like that. So just to clarify that. 
That's the other thing about this chassis that really impressed me. The old Raptor felt like it was really good in like a certain zone. Let's call it whoops, for example, from 55 to 65, mm -hmm. where it would gobble that stuff up. But any faster you blow through travel, especially if you got a G out in the middle, yeah. or any slower, yeah. you were just on the stops constantly. Yeah, you're pitching up. Yeah, and you guys have done a great job with this truck where yeah. I never really felt like I was engaging the jounces, and we were at a much higher level of performance than I've been in the two at the, you know, I guess. The easier way to say it is at the same performance level, this is higher. I'm still not in the jounces the way it was in the, yeah. in the Gen 2. That plushness that you're getting, and of course the big tire helps, yeah. um, is, a, is is kind of something that we're also paying attention to. Because, you know, honestly, Raptors become more than just kind of like the guy that wants to go off-roading. It wasn't the second, it's not the second car anymore. A lot of people, this is their daily driver. So it's become something that you live yeah. with on a daily basis. So I pay attention to, personally, I pay attention to a lot of people who just want to get it, want to use it as a daily driver and go grocery shopping. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's something that we have to pay attention to. We still design for the one percent. Yeah. The guys that can absolutely take it to the limit, we design for them. But it's it's that kind of approach that makes it appealing to everybody else who you know well, that, in, that we end up. In that line of thinking, you guys have actually upped payload and towing capability on this truck. Uh, over the I think it's what uh, two hundred pounds in towing. Pounds, yep. Is that the same on payload yep. also? Yep. So basically, for those of you who like to go out overland or have your truck loaded out in the desert or whatever, you're basically removing your the driver from the situation. So if you carry all the same gear, yep. you're yep. one passenger basically Correct. less, which yep. is which is pretty cool. Yep. And that goes to that daily driver because people are towing more, people are hauling more, and the Raptor is now the family vehicle. It really is the Swiss Army knife that has to do so much different stuff. Yeah, so I get I'm kind of privileged to be in the spot that I'm in because I get to interact with, you know, not only my engineers within Ford Performance who are, who are very talented, but they're singularly focused on making the very best Raptor. But I also got to pay attention to kind of how we link back as one of the one of the variants of F-150. We're still a truck. Yeah. We still have to tow. We still have to have decent payload. Those are things we have to pay attention to. You can't just continue to just evolve the, the, uh, the suspension to a point where you take that truck capability away, right? That's not yeah. the right answer. It still has to be a truck. Still has to be a truck. It's built for tough. It yeah. still has to do, it, it absolutely, All the absolutely has to still meet that meet that mark and so our marketing guys who we share with f-150 um, and some of the best in in the company they constantly remind us that yes we want to make a uh, uh, you know a really really capable off-road machine but it's still very much a built for tough f-150 I was also uh, amazed at I could actually feel a difference in the chassis between the um, 37 and the 35. So I, I would say to me, driving on the different terrain, the, 30, the 35 feels a little bit more nimble. The 37 has a little bit less travel just because of clearances and whatnot, but it has more ground clearance. I'd say the 37 felt a little bit more plush. The 35 a little more sporty, a little more nimble. Um, I don't know that there's a right answer. I like both of the trucks for different reasons. And I think that a lot of people will be drawn to 37 because it's like, oh, 37's from the factory, that's great. But you may not need 37s. You may be perfectly fine with 35s. And the 35 with more travel is crazy capable. And again, a little bit more direct with steering, a little bit more nimble, a little bit more responsive. Not that the 37 is a slouch, but it just might depend on your type of wheeling because I can see a use case for both of these. Yeah, I'm just really happy at this point that we have the ability to offer both yeah. uh, to the customer. We've been passionate Especially about with the chassis changes, because that was the big thing when you guys announced it. I was like, well, that's a lot of investment to have a completely different frame for the 37s or suspension setup for the 37s or, you know, whatever the case is. There's a lot of things that, you know, 
are different between the two trucks that you don't see, that you'll never see, yet they drive very similar except for the slight personality difference between the two. Yeah, and, and we, of course, there's a that's by design. We're trying to make them like not radically different from each other. But you know, the fact that you you put 37s, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that, yeah. right? And we didn't want to just slap 37s on there and just call it a day, right? There's a there's a whole level of thinking and tuning that goes into making the 37 something that is very much like the 35. Because if you started with the 35, which we did at the beginning of the program, and we added the 37 later on. That's where that that truck was more developed than the 37 that we had to then catch up. Sure. But the 35, right, was where it started. So it was the benchmark the whole way to kind of, and then catch the 37 back up. But I, I'm just crazy happy about the fact that like we're offering both. Um, the 37 is kind of a, a little feather in our cap. It's sure. a, it's an it's an OEM thing that yeah. no one else is doing. The spare under the bed is a, you know, getting it under there is not an easy thing, right? It, right, but you, you have a full-size 37-inch spare. we have a full-size 37, and yeah. we're passionate about not taking wow. that space or giving yeah. you an under I did not spare. expect that. That all kind of comes into play with kind of making... Part of the differences are the uh, reinforcements where the jounces are. There's different brackets and things like that that are different between the 35 and 37. And then the 37 models have a different rear cross member and trailer hitch so that a 37 will fit under the bed. So whether you go with 35 or 37, you have a full-size spare, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's very. You think, obviously, you guys did do it the right way, and obviously the 37 chassis is also going to be part of what's coming in the future, too. So there's some amortizing of costs against different models. So it makes sense. But to give somebody that option, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I mentioned how the 37 has less travel. The 37 basically has the same travel as the old Raptor. Correct. You're getting more travel with the 35 Correct. new Raptor. So Correct. if you're coming from an old Raptor, you're not giving anything up. It's only if you were to compare it to the 35 that you lose that wheel travel. Correct. So there's not any capability loss over what you're already used to. In fact, with the 37, it's even more capable. So, And it's still available with a Torsen uh, in the front and a locker in the rear, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. And again, right, so it comes down to making a decision of, do you want the extra inch of travel? Or yeah. do you want the extra ground, cl ground, clearance. ground clearance? Yeah. And to me, right, both are great trucks, yeah. right? And then it becomes just a kind of a personal thing. What are you actually going to be yeah. doing with it? What's the use case, right? To me, I like the look of the 37 personally. Sure. I think it's just a, it, it, it kind of, it just it fills takes, it out a little a big, bit. It's a little bit yeah. bigger and bolder and a yeah. bit in your face. But the 35 is a very, is a very good looking, uh, very refined uh, thing. I'm really, really proud of the 35. It came out really good. And then, you know, it was all about kind of catching the 37 back up to it. Because uh, it got about a year head, a year head start we had on the 35, you know it come, it's going to come down to what do, what are you going to do with it? If if I'm you know again right we have, I love customers that want to come off road they're kind of the guys that we're we're tuning this thing for. Yeah. But honestly, we sell a lot of trucks to people who don't come off road and hey those guys they may want they may want a 37. Um, let's talk about the interior. Obviously, it takes advantage of the new F-150 interior. You guys have the big. 12-inch screen, yep. you've got the folding shifter, yep. you've, you've got the yep. workspace, all the stuff yep. too. Yep. But it's just been rafterized. You can get the, uh, the the top of the line Recaro buckets and you guys have a lot of different textures. You have real By the way, those Recaros? Mm-hmm. Dude, sweet. Really? Oh, they're so comfortable. It's making me want one. They're blue. I, I'm telling you. you like I, blue Recaros? Yeah. No, I don't. Yep. I don't. And then you got to get a non-Recaro seat. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was coming blue. I was looking at that on the, uh, the current Raptor. I love Recaro seats, but not blue. 
I just, blue's not my jam. Oh, you guys have a lot of different textures. You have real carbon fiber available. It's just a cool looking interior. It's very upright, it's very trucky. We start with a great F-150 that brings a, a brand new interior in, and then we kind of raptorize it. I honestly, you know, the, the, the chassis, you know, we spent a lot of time just talking about the chassis, and that's really where Raptor starts. But the fun stuff, yeah. right, is making it look the part. And so we spent a lot of time, you know, picking materials that resonate off-road and like materials that wear well and materials that, you know, kind of speak to the off-road to kind of, so we've selected this code orange to kind of signify more the desert, kind yeah. of the, the, the sun going down, kind of that orange line above the horizon. We've selected that color to be kind of our launch color. It's been really popular. We've tried to integrate it into the interior. And then again, the interior is coming from F-150. And then we put our, we kind of put the Raptor look to it. And it's just kind of the, the icing on the cake. Really. And all the modes are, are really good. I actually think that for the digital cluster, this is probably one of your best executions. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of the digital cluster on the Bronco because I think they stylized it too much mm -hmm. and it's hard to get information. Mm -hmm. On the Raptor, you have nice round dials in there. You have a regular tack. It's really easy to get information. Um, driving it out here where you know I didn't want to take my eye off the trail, uh, going high speeds, I was able to get that information quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think you guys have done a really good job with that. Ergonomically, it's good. It's great visibility outwardly. Um, all the camera modes are great. I, I love the front cam for you know, cresting over hills and things like that, especially if you're going fast and you don't know, quite know which way the trail goes on the other side. All pretty awesome. Yeah, again, um, we spend a lot of time on that cluster. We, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's work streams that kind of want you to make sure like we are understanding how the customer is going to interact with the menus, with the drive modes, simplifying, yeah. right? Simplifying access to the information. That's all part of how we're thinking about the kind of the user interface that the customer is going to be dealing sure. with. The interior is something that kind of is usually cluster aside. Obviously, we yeah. start that development at the beginning, but. I'll just add uh, something really quick about the interior. In, for example, the TRX, suede, leather. I mean, everything's wrapped. Right. Just super, super high end. Yeah, and you've got the little ribbons of red or whatever the colors yeah, go to on the Yeah, that's the TRX, optional yes. on, on some of them. The Raptor's not as luxurious. It's more sporty. There's, um, like on the dash, the part that's wrapped is this really cool textile. And I don't mean this in a bad way. But it's almost like wallpaper. Not a carbon fiber, but what's the material? No, no, no. no. There's, you can get real carbon fiber in the Raptor. You can get some other appliques that have sort of a pattern in them that are kind of cool. There's a lot of neat kind of surfacing. So you're talking textures. about like a like a wicker, like the bamboo stuff I see no, in no, bad, no, no, uh, no, no, bad like no, no. nightclub bathrooms? No, I'm talking oh. about the wallpaper that was textured that has sort of a... It's textured. I don't know how it's the like, kind in like the laundry room that uh, it's not it's bad. Stained, no, I don't mean right? it bad. It's okay. just different, and it's not. It's sporty. It's it's uh -huh. not like all leathery. It's, I mean, like it's, a cow print. The ones you see in like uh, you know, never mind. In gibberie with the kids playing in the, with oh, the okay. interview. All right. The materials and stuff that comes kind of toward. It finalizes right towards the end. We knew at the very beginning that we wanted a dramatic step up from Gen 2, and yeah. I think we did that, right? I think we, so. we, 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 there's just a, a level of refinement in the truck, that, but still kind of rugged. Yeah, and I, like I said, it's, it's something that we, that's all stuff that we pay attention to. Um, the, the interior, the other thing to keep in mind, right, versus Gen 2, we've simplified our offering, right? There was a super cab, there was, you know, a, a low series, a mid series, a high series. That's really something that we've tried to kind of simplify a little bit and try to just really, um, and try to just really kind of make the choices a bit more simplified for the customer. You know what? I noticed that, Holman, when I was on uh, the Ford site just a couple of nights ago. That uh, the low series was almost in your price range? Yeah. Yeah. A and, but the, the, be there wasn't that much difference. Like in the F-150, you're going all the way from you know, the XL 
to the platinum. Yeah. Right. And then you've got with the lariat in between and the, the basically three that's... trim packages on it. Eight hundred. I think eight hundred two a eight hundred three a no, something was, like that. Was, and then, oh, and that one. Yeah. In the was, Raptor, and then and then the thirty seven package. But then it's you can get all the carts and stuff. So it's a lot more simple than it used to be. But I was surprised. I was expecting to see more, yeah. and I was actually delighted that it was so simple. Whereas when I was going through like the lariat, for example. On the F one fifty side, it's crazy. It just I'm like yeah. oh three hundred one package five hundred one. Com- I didn't I even. I yeah. And I re- what I didn't realize at the time when I was going through it is that there's that whole lingo. Like I, when you walk into a Ford dealer, the guy's like, "Do you want the three hundred one package?" Yeah. Like if you don't speak Ford, you have yeah. no idea what yeah. he's talking about. And I can imagine that that's that same way. Well, and- I think they're thinking like most Ford customers are loyal, and a lot of Raptor customers might be conquests. So they're trying to simplify it for new people coming into the brand. Well, I'm that I'm that guy. I know. That's I've never what I'm owned saying. a Ford, right? So I like the mm. fact that it was simple. I'm like, yep. well, I can afford this one. I can't afford that one. Mm, sure. Congratulations on the new truck. I, I was excited to drive it. I'm really impressed. Definitely a huge upgrade over the last generation. Is there anything about Raptor that I'm forgetting that you want to throw out there that that you want people to know about? <laughs> well, look, uh, Raptor. <clears throat> this is a maybe sh- <clears throat> shots fired. <clears throat> Oh, really? It started 12-ish years ago with the introduction of the Gen 1, uh, the space kind of that we created, the space that we uh, that we are very much um, uh, into protecting and not letting it go. This truck right here, when it when it brings the suspension that it does, that you got to drive today, um, I think that there's it's indisputable that, th- that we're still kind of in this space. And if you want to come and you want to compete in the space, then bring your game because it's not enough to just put a bunch of power in. You got to have a well. We Ooh, <laughs> snap! Here. Absolutely. All right. Well, appreciate your time. Oh, pause that from Ford, <laughs> and uh, I guess uh, we'll see you down the line because uh, there's a lot more Raptor, quote unquote Raptor news to come. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, right. dude, I love that. He is so. Yeah. He's such a statesman, but uh, you don't. The, you can't just bring some extra power to the game. Well, it's okay. So. Here's the deal. He's like, I see your 702, buddy. Right. And uh, and here comes something. Here comes a whopper. Well, so that's great for the R that's coming out down the line of the V8. Although that's them just adding a bunch of power to the chassis. Anyway, it was th- that that aside, I will tell you, the if people are they're going to ask me, how does it compare to the TRX? How does it compare to the TRX? Yes. How does it compare to the TRX? Because that's I, what had, I want to know. I've right? already that's, had okay, well, a, a million people... Already have been asking me, how does it compare to the TRX? I asked you that before you even went to Vegas to go test drive. And I, what did I tell you? You said I haven't driven it <laughs> I yet. I haven't driven it yet. Right, but I'm that guy. L- listen yeah. to me. I- I'm making a – this is a – I'm sorry that this is turning into like a, like a, a bit, like a, a morning radio show bit or something. The, I'm the telling whole show you, is a morning radio maybe bit. Maybe it is. I am making – you guys, you're just like me. You, 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 it takes a while. Well, maybe some of you go know exactly the truck you want. I'm venturing in a new territory, in a, in, a, in a type of vehicle that I've never owned, okay? And I am seriously looking at what vehicle, I, and I'm now I've I said, screw it. I'm going to get the truck I want because this may be the truck I have for a very long time. And I'm looking at the TRX, okay. and I'm looking at the current Raptor, yep. but I have a very difficult time committing to the 21 or the you know the 35 or the 37 knowing the r is coming and the r is the real competitor here for the trx so here's what i'll say the the 21 raptor splits the difference between trx and the 20 raptor the shocks are nowhere near as good as the trx despite what ford will want to tell you there were times where and i and if you go to a fourwheeler.com or motor trend to the four-wheeler section you can see my first drive article when we hit the whoops, we hit them so hard a few times that I got the suspension and the chassis completely out of sorts. 
where it went into limp mode and pulled out power until I slowed down really? as actual protection. And that's all shocks right there. The shocks are, are let me put it this way. The old shocks are three inch body. The new shocks are 3.1 inch body. Don't fall for the size of the can. I was going to say, that's so little difference. Um, they they upsized it for more pressure and more oil mm-hmm. because they needed to uh, to keep the, you know, the bigger pressure from the 37s and whatnot. The piston size at 2.25 inches, 57 millimeters is identical. The insides are identical to the old one. Different tuning, upgraded live valve, but you got to remember, live valve technology is only on the compression circuit. Um, although the 37 model has 50% more damping than the 35 model, but it also has two and a half times greater damping than the 2020 Raptor. The 35 model shocks get a 7 eighths inch shock shaft. The 37s get a 1 inch shaft. So beefy components. Don't get me wrong. Still a great shock. Still a shock that is really in- impressive. It's a three-zone internal bypass. Yeah, but hold on a second, Homer. The geometry, the, the new linkage out back, like that's changing it as much or more than the shocks are, right? I mean, th- th- it's all new geometry out yeah, I mean, the, the, rear, rear the rear suspension is better. I'm telling you, if you have a current Raptor, go get the new one. It's a huge improvement. Right. But, but it's not a TRX. But, yeah, I was going to say, even, I'm, I'm even speaking, still. Hold on. I'm speaking specifically to the to the Bill Steins. Okay. And that's not because Bill Steins is a sponsor of the show. It's because the TRX is superior, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll tell you why. So the Fox Shocks have one piston, one working piston. The Bill Steins have three working pistons. They're smaller. But those three working pistons together are 58 millimeters of working piston surface area versus the 57 of the Fox. So don't get you know, thrown off by the fact that, oh, it has a, a bigger body. That doesn't mean it has a bigger working piston. It just has a bigger body on it. The piston is what you care about uh, as much as the other stuff, right? The other thing is that the TRX shocks, the Blackhawk E-squareds, are infinitely variable on both compression and rebound circuit, where live valve is only on the compression circuit. These, each one's completely independently controlled from one another. And while the Fox uh, shocks on the Raptor can enable 1,000 pounds of damping force per corner and respond to train in just 80 milliseconds, which Ford will tell you is as fast as your mind can recognize something, right? The Blackhawks can do 2,200 pounds of force on compression, 1,500 pounds of force on uh, rebound in just 12 milliseconds. 80 milliseconds to 12 milliseconds is a massive difference, especially when you're doing it on both ends of the shock, not just the compression stroke. To me, it's not just the time. You're talking about to do the rebound is that's massive. Anyone who rides a, a dirt bike will tell you that. So it's doing it on both compression and rebound. Right. The fact that so the thousand pounds of damping force per, per corner, the Blackhawk E squared can match that at nearly zero shaft speed, doubles it by 0.5 meters per second, and triples it at one meter per second. That's how advanced those shocks are. The other thing I'll say is is that in jump detection mode on the Raptor, yes, it stiffens shocks up. But what it doesn't do is communicate with the chassis in the way the TRX does. When the TRX leaves the ground, it also has jump protection, and it also stiffens up the compression circuit. Disengages. But it disengages the the clutches on the transfer case, and it also prevents the vehicle from upshifting in the air so that you avoid driveline shock and are in the right gear when you land. So Raptor isn't employing that yet. So while the Raptor for 2021 is a huge improvement over the 2020, they're playing in the very shallow end of the semi-active market. And it'll be interesting to see if Raptor R has the next generation of live valve on both sides to better compete with TRX. Because right now, you kill it with TRX on shocks. And I think it's just that much better than Raptor right now. How did Ram leapfrog Ford so significantly? I I don't think Ford knew that TRX was going to be as good as it is. 
And it's damn good. It's damn good. The new Raptor's also damn good. I liked it a lot. I, I, it was fantastic. So they're, they're almost identically priced, right? They're both at, what, 79-ish? Uh, so like a 37 inch Raptor is 79490 but you can get the 35 package for starting at 64145. So that is a that's a big savings. So for me, as much as I love Raptor, it's not quite TRX but it's damn good. I think it splits the difference. I think Raptor R is going to be the true TRX competitor and uh, let me leave you with this. What well, you know my question. What is right? it? Right? No. You well my question is you you win the lottery. Yeah. Someone gives you, you know, 100 grand. TRX. Really? You're not waiting. You're not waiting no. to see what the what the R has. I mean, if I wanted it right now, there's only one game in town for the best one that's out there. What, what if, and listen, I haven't driven them back to back, so that's with a caveat. I may drive them back to back. Go, oh wow, the Raptor really is from everything I felt, what I experienced. We were doing some pretty like eight tenths driving, like they were letting us push it. The Raptor's awesome, dude. It it launches, it lands on like a pillow, it works well. But there's places where the the Fox shocks show that they're not quite up to. The Bill Stein in terms okay. of all right, ability. all right. Since most of our audience is not going in the you know Western desert, and they're probably spending most of the time on the road, which one do you like with their their road manners? Which one do you prefer? They're, they're I would say they're comparable. Okay, and I'd say the V6 and the Raptor is going to give you better fuel economy. So if you're only caring about on highway manners, fuel economy, all the things that matter there, you're, you'll probably be fine with the Raptor, and you'll enjoy the you know the range. The uh, TRX doesn't get great fuel economy, but <laughs> who cares? It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Huh. All right, let me leave you with this. I've got a recording of the exhaust that I did with it idling, just so you guys could hear it. I would have been kind of disappointed if you didn't record the exhaust note. So, yeah, let me hear it, please. Wait. That does not sound like the rapper I know. No, it definitely has that more high-end, like, sports car sound. Why does it sound diesel-y to me? Uh, because it's crazy V6. I don't know. Interesting. So I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think that's a big improvement over the current truck, and I think it uh, adds to the enjoyment of driving. So to recap, new Raptor Awesome. Rear suspension, huge improvement. You feel it the second you pull onto the street. Off-road, you have a way less head toss. The steering is great. The brakes are super solid. I actually like the brakes better than the TRX. The TRX is so heavy, it feels a little bit underbraked. Can you tell me, go back to the steering for a second. You know I'm a big fan of um, like BMW, the heavy steering. I know you're a fan of lighter steering. Where is it? I'm not necessarily a fan of lighter steering. I'm a fan of direct steering. It's per- I think it's great. It's balanced. It's, it, you can feel where the corners of the road are, all that kind of stuff. Easy to place the truck off-road. It's got the big 12-inch screen. So you have some really great um, camera views, just like in the Bronco, mm-hmm. which is great for going over mounds and stuff and see which way the trail turns on uh, on the other side. Exhaust, suspension, bottom-out control is great. All the stuff. Engine, 450 horsepower. It's, um, to be honest, sort of felt pedestrian. Like mm. when you got on it, it was fast. But now that I've kind of been spoiled with something that has a little bit more power, <laughs> you have been driving a TRX for the last two weeks. Yeah, it was I drove a TRX there, mm-hmm. and then drove the Raptor, and then drove the TRX home, which was really great back to back, you know, butt dyno and all that. The Ram feels uh, from the inside just cozier, tighter. 
Um, Does it feel bigger? Uh, it feels bigger than the than the Raptor, right? Uh, but it just feels like it hugs you more, like the way the seats are. But the Raptor is no slouch by any means. The Raptor was good. Um, it's just the shocks aren't up to the TRX. I, I I hope they change that on the Raptor R. Again, if you've got the current Raptor, the 2020, and you step up to 2021, you're going to be stoked. It's so much better than that truck in so many different ways. Chassis, technology, tires, all that stuff. And again, the 37 model, the Raptor 37, has the same travel as the 2020 with 35s. If you step up into the 35 model, you have an inch more travel or so. Right. So you're not giving anything up for 37s, uh, but you get a little bit more if you go to 35s. For me... Still, had, still, the nod goes to the TRX, but the TRX also, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars more. So, it's a great, like you said, it splits the gap and and carries you until Raptor R comes out. We'll see TRX Raptor R. I don't know not until it. I drive it. All right. Well, speaking of suspension, I feel like we should call up our uh, our new buddy. Well, I think is going to be our buddy Nick Somas at Peak Suspension. I think I should hit that button right now. All right. Hello. Hey, is this uh, Nick Somas of Peak Suspension? This is him. Lightning Home and Truck Show Podcast. What's How you doing, happening? Okay. Awesome. Hey, hey uh, we have to play a quick intro, so don't move. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? Quit your job and get a loan. And don't let anyone tell you you can. Go into debt and don't look back. Don't worry, there will always be another crappy job. This is what it takes to be. So Nick, we're a little embarrassed <laughs> of that particular jingle, but it says no, it we're all, not. Right? That jingle's awesome. Oh, yeah, oh, we love it. Okay, I was I so confused it. right now. We, 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 <laughs> you should be. We embraced it. No, you know what, Nick? That's all about entrepreneurialism, and okay. you are that guy. Like you were out doing your own thing, and you're like, I can make uh, a better widget. So Nick, let's uh, rewind the clock a little bit. How did you, and why did you start Peak Suspension? Uh, kind of started because I wanted to design products and make stuff that nobody else would as you guys are pretty familiar with the off-road industry it's kind of one of those things where the most popular things are the ones that get made and the older stuff doesn't really get attention so i had a 2016 colorado at the time and there was no one making coilovers and so i was at dinner with a couple friends of mine from ipoc and said why don't you just make your own so i sat there and i was like well why don't i make my own so i kind of researched on how to do it and before you know it, I was actually private labeling them with iBlock, and they were producing them for us in the beginning. And so that's kind of how it started, just kind of like an accident. Now, for those who don't know, iBlock is a spring manufacturer. They also make uh, dampers. They make uh, all sorts coilovers, of stuff. all kinds of stuff. And, and iBlock is probably one of the uh, one or maybe two or three companies in that are really the go-to guys in terms of coil springs for coilovers, race parts, things like that. But they also make Absolutely. a ton. Of uh, have a ton of spring applications for like everything. Now, did you have your? Did you have to figure out spring rates and all that, or did they did they help you? Well, the spring rates were kind of uh, they're already on the truck factory wise. So as far as picking different spring rates, the whole point was that we were adding bumpers, adding weight. So it was to just increase spring capacity for that. They did help with the production of like the valving and stuff for the coilovers, but spring rates are pretty simple and straightforward because they're to mid size truck. There's only so many spring rates that are available. Then it was just kind of trial and error. Fortunately, being in Southern California, we have the necessity, well, not necessity, but the capacity of knowing just about everyone in the industry and everyone's close to us. So it actually worked out quite easily. 
So when you were building your uh, your Colorado, uh, there weren't, you know, like you were saying, there wasn't a whole lot of options out there in the aftermarket. Uh, eventually, Chevy came out with the ZR2 with the Multimatics, and today you guys are one of the few companies that actually do anything with the Multimatics or anything on the ZR2 platform. There's not a lot of people who understand or uh, you know that that shock, which is special, uh, or even are dabbling in that platform. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but <laughs> it is what it, it is what it is, I guess. When we built the first Colorado, we ended up partnering with Ibach with SEMA uh, or for SEMA to build a truck that kind of we wanted people to be able to build themselves. So, you know, SEMA is known for their one-off stuff and making these crazy things. We wanted to make something that was attainable and buildable. So I think in part with that and maybe just the growth and timing of the market, it just exploded. And so, of course, when I bought my truck in 16, they released a 02 and 17, and I had no idea it was even coming. So that was a perfect timing for us. But in 21, we decided we're going to build a 02, and the same thing. We've been making these 02 shocks and coilover conversion kits since 2018. And uh, it kind of is one of those things where we're the only company making stuff. So we found this niche that ended up being just perfect. And then you guys have really kind of uh, made your name in the overlanding community, especially with the uh, the Colorado folks. Obviously, your ZR2 is pretty well known on Instagram. It's uh, mm-hmm. has a lot of AEV parts, a lot of your parts on there. So you're at dinner with your friends at Ibach, which means that you're mm-hmm. already in like that inner sanctum, right? You, you know the, go- the go-to guys, right? And how did you know them? Is that from racing? And, and what's that backstory? Uh, I've been in the car world pretty much my entire life. So I went from road racing to off-road racing and then back to road racing and back to off-road. Basically, depending on my life and economic status and what I can afford to do, uh, off-road racing is extraordinarily expensive. So I got out of that, got into racing motorcycles. So I've just kind of been in around this place and this life for the last 20 years at this point and uh knowing all these guys in Southern california just from local car shows from car meets to friends of friends i mean we just are lucky to be in this region where everyone seems to know everybody and it kind of just worked out and you just said i'm here's the application i'm just going to put on a website and just hope someone it buys it that, like yeah well <laughs> so because of the sema call that we did good and bad my personal life has become inundated with the with peak and so everyone knew me as like the colorado guru on like the facebook groups and forums instagram and stuff so they were already coming to me for parts advice before we even started peak so i guess i had some sort of reputation before that but once peak started we announced what we were going to do before we even had a product so within i'd say a week of launching the idea and concept we pre-sold the entire run within three days (laughs) wow well wait what was the entire run you're talking about 15 sets or 150 sets we had to do 50 sets of shocks to do your initial run so we sold 50 sets of shocks in three days before we even had a partner oh my god wow yeah and these are at uh, 600 plus dollars per set or what yeah well the coilovers are about right now they're 899 but when we launched them they were 799 so relatively good price um, for a coilover kit and it was something new on the market because you can select the spring rate between a 550 and a 600 because the Colorado's come with a, a gas motor and diesel motor. So we wanted to make sure that we're getting spring rates that work for both, where there aren't any other coilovers that are working with that. But it's an easy concept because IBOC makes race springs. And so we have unlimited springs to choose from, from, you know, 500 to 700, depending on the application. So it just naturally worked. And, um, this, I mean, you can buy a spring set for 100 bucks if you want to change them yourself and use a flat ground spring. So it's just super easy. But for us, the initial investment was just creating a concept, creating the name. Um, I mean, my initial buy-in came from pre-sales, so it ended up working out perfect. That's pretty crazy. I, I like how you have, you know, um, I, I'm a big fan of the Multimatic shocks. I think they're they're really mm-hmm. cool, the spool valves. 
Um, they're a little bit different than your traditional shock. They um, have three chambers and a couple check valves. So unlike a traditional shock that has a reservoir where the oil is just going back and forth, you're actually mm-hmm. circulating all the oil in the Multimatics. It's a really, really novel design. The way the spool valves work um, with the way the, the reliefs open up and all that kind of stuff. It's just a really fascinating um, shock platform. And then you guys are taking that and you're actually modifying them and putting your own springs on top of that so people can keep those shocks if they want. But you're also offering upgrades with other manufacturers that completely replace mm-hmm. them. Maybe talk about the benefits of keeping the Multimatics and, and talk about the ultimate potential of the Colorado platform once you step up into the higher-end shocks. Well, so right now, the only two options are either to modify the shocks. There's like a spacer lift, there's our coilovers, and that's to use the existing DSSVs. Other than that, the only other option is to get a King replacement because no one else makes anything with that same lower shock mount. You could do like a Baja Kits long travel kit and use any shock you want, like a Fox King, ADS, whatever. But as far as DSSV is concerned, I really, really like the shocks. They have a reputation to leak, but that's any shock. And so there's not really any rhyme or reason. It seems to be that some of them are 4,000 miles, some of them are 100,000 miles. Regardless, the shock itself is fantastic for what it is. It's probably the best out-of-the-box shock you can get. And what we do is modify it to where you can adjust the ride height and you can adjust the spring rate. So same concept as a coilover, but in this case with a ZR2, because it's a little more position sensitive, we can adjust four different spring rates and then adjust the ride height. So that way, if you put bumpers or winch, anything that's going to add weight, we're keeping the position sensitivity in the correct place. So it still rides like a factory shock, but so, you also maintain that lift. So I'll say one of the things that's nice about the uh, Multimatics on the, uh, on the ZR2 is there's only about what, uh, eight and a half inches of travel in the front of a ZR2, something like that from the factory. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. amazing the amount of stroke you have on those shocks, how much energy they're able to dissipate. And it mm-hmm. just feels like it has a lot more travel than it does because those shocks are able to control that. If you've never driven on them before, it's a little bit of a different feel. It's almost as if you were riding on um, like, uh, you know, hydro bumps or something like that. Just the way yeah. it's sort of like it goes and then it sort of squats and you, you kind of feel it like that. But I mean, Lightning, you felt them when we took the ZR2 out in the desert and we were doing, what, 65, 70 miles an I hour? Was, I was completely impressed. Yeah. I, I thought that there were so many times we were going to bottom out and we didn't even... And I we pounded know. the crap out of that ZR2 yeah. and that was a diesel <laughs> with a heavy front end. We had a lot of talk, yeah. Taco Bell that day too, so like it, we were weighing it down. <laughs> was it Wiener Schnitzel? Oh, we did, yeah, yeah, we did Wiener Schnitzel <laughs> out in the desert, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the, uh, the tricks to dealing with a, a Colorado platform or ZR2 specifically to get the ride height and to get the compliance that you want out of it and still have the payload. The the trick with the shocks is that because they're position, position sensitive, be careful on what lift range you're operating in. So to do a coilover like that, your lift range is it's dependent on basically your uh, down travel and also in your, your lift positioning where the shock will rest. So you do lose a bit of up travel because you're basically replacing what the shock static positioning is. But it doesn't change the overall stroke length. It doesn't change the overall ride quality. It's just you're accommodating for that weight. So the spring rate, we, we have four different spring rates, 550, 600, 650, and 700. So rule of thumb for us was 550 is stock gas, 600 is a gas with, diesel, with, a, gas with a bumper and a winch, 650 is stock diesel, and then 700 is uh, diesel with a bumper and a winch. So that's kind of like the rudimentary way of looking at it. As far as payload capacity is concerned, we're not really doing anything to the rear, so the rear remains the same, but increasing payload can come from at a lease or from a complete leaf pack replacement. And those still work in conjunction with the shocks and maintains that good ride quality. Um, but a lot of guys being the overland market are putting on tents and racks and, you know, loading down a thousand pounds of gear on these things. So 
you know, if you don't do something to the rear end of the truck, you are going to bottom out. You are going to reach the top of the shock. So you're looking at different bump stops, you're looking at different leaf packs, you're looking at outer leaves. Those things will help maintain that ride quality. Why do you think that the Colorado has gained the traction it has when so many other uh, mid-sized trucks have come in the market to go toe-to-toe with the uh, Tacomas of the world, if you will? Because it seems like that uh, Colorado community is really robust now, and people just love that truck for uh, for overlanding. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because it, it took a long time to get there. And in 17, when the Rosier was released, it's like nobody cared. It, I mean, it won truck the year, I believe, the first year. And it started to get some traction. But, you know, Toyota owns the midsize market. And Toyota rides on their name and their reputation. And, you know, the resale reliability thing, the insane amount of aftermarket. So people were hesitant to jump ship to American brands because, you know, American brands have a reputation of being faulty. They're going to fall apart. They're crappy. You're going to, you know, you gotta push your Ford or push your Chevy. So I think it took some time just to gain traction. And plus, even with the aftermarket, it took a while for people to start making parts for them. And it probably wasn't until 18 or 19 where we started seeing some really good stuff out there. But then people started seeing reviews, started seeing customer reviews, magazine reviews, talking about how capable these trucks were. And I think in some ways, people were starting to get bored of Toyota, where it was just the same thing over and over again. It's the same truck for so many years, and your newest updates are just a color. And, you know, they announced, I think, CarPlay in 2020. I mean, it's just such... Almost like Apple, just such minute changes. Yeah, they're trivial. They're almost them. trivial. Yeah. yeah, Nick, do you think that um, like Roadster Shop with their Colorado, like that? Yeah. I mean, that took people by storm. I thought that was one of those vehicles out at, at that time. Yeah, but that's that different because I think it was so far on the uh, at the fringe of the spectrum. Like I think yeah. the no, racer no, no. guy liked it, but I don't think it really drew attention to the everyday driver guy. I saw a lot of that truck on Instagram. So. No, I think people loved it, but I don't know that it elevated Colorado. Go, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my next overlanding rig. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think they were seeing it as that's a rad pre runner, rad Baja vehicle, but. It didn't. I don't know that it sold a whole bunch of Colorados just to the average guy who's leaving 33s on it or 32s on it. Okay. Yeah. Oddly enough, that truck didn't really gain that much traction in, in the groups and the boards. I think huh. that truck and the McNeil truck kind of like, I think that because they came out so early, they were one of the first builds out there. Uh, it didn't really gain a lot of traction, I don't think, from that. And then even to this day, you would mention that white um, roaster shot truck and people don't even know who the hell they are. And I have also noticed with a lot of people in these trucks that this is their first truck. And so when it comes to come like Roger shop building a truck, they're not known for doing stuff like that. They're not going to be finding things like that. It's a very, I think niche market, especially in the desert community for these, because I come from a desert racing background and it seems to me that that has started to subside some, the popularity of pre-runners and things in Southern California are not as much as it is overlanding now. It's like this whole new wave of people just throwing a tent on the truck and going out and doing stuff. So I don't, I don't know if that's part of it, but I think one of the big trucks that did help was the SEMA truck from AEV in 2016, I want to say, yeah, 2017, that TAN zero uh, two. That, that thing was incredible. The, just the thought yeah. that went into it, um, just the way everything was integrated, obviously it was foreshadowing the AEV Bison, which came mm-hmm. out from, you could get it from AEV or from General Motors from your Chevy dealership. And that was one of the first times, I think, Chevy ever co-branded with an outside company. I, I think that's one of those deals where um, that just shows you, you know, how well respected AV is in the OE world. Uh, that they were able to pull that off, and that you can still get a Bison from your Chevy dealership as a factory vehicle. It's pretty crazy. Which is, I mean, what other brands can you think of that does something like that? I mean, it's like it's unheard of to have a truck with full skid plates, front and rear lockers, 
optional bead locks, front and rear steel bumpers, winch ready. I mean, it's crazy to think that you can just buy a truck off the showroom floor and literally need to do nothing to it. I would say that the only aftermarket company in the world that I know of that has a similar program is uh, Arctic Trucks. And they've got an AT32 model of the Nissan Navara overseas in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to what AEV is doing. And it's very, it's very cool. I had a chance to drive it out in Morocco on the sand dunes and stuff. And I was actually really impressed. And that's what I kept going back to. This is basically the same thing that AEV is doing with the, the Colorado and the Bison in the States. And obviously, you know, you and I both have a, a, a ton of experience with AEV. In fact, we just worked mm-hmm. on a project for you where you just built up a, a Prospector XL with our friend Mike Rice over at Adventure Off-Road. Maybe yep. talk about how does that work into your plans? Because uh, obviously you're, you're working with AV, but you've got your own company that you're using this as a marketing tool. We've developed quite a good relationship with AV, And um, as a dealer working with AV, we're one of the fastest growing Colorado-specific AEV dealers out there. And we just kind of exploded in that market. As a company, I wanted to expand into products that I would feel fit our profile and work with companies that we already work with because we're really strict on who we have relationships with and the companies that we work with and things that we sell. And it's all people that I either know or have relationships with. So um, being that as it may, I looked at the Ford Tremor and the F-250 because um, we wanted a big truck. So the next thing was a truck that can tow other trucks to shows, tow our equipment, tow a trailer. I needed something more than a mid-sized truck and something more than a you know standard full-size so when it came down to looking at the aftermarket world, um, the AV products like the Ram Prospector just made sense. It's something that we can offer. It's a package we can offer as a company. Um, as a business, it's one of those things where people can see the Prospector XL to show them like, oh, I really want this. Like, well, you can build this too. Here's how you do it. Here's all the parts. We can get you all these parts and you can find an AV certified dealer and sell them all. And that was kind of the you know thought process behind it. And I mean, selfishly, I just, I can't drive a stock truck. And there's something about the Prospector XL that just blows me away every time I look at it. So that was just the right move for us. How much do you love that thing? I mean, you've just gone on a couple trips. We, you've probably had it for, what, a month since it's been built up? What's what's your take on it? Uh, I absolutely love it. I mean, if you ask Mike, when they were building my ZR2, we had it at their shop in September of 2021. And Mike had two PXLs on the dealership lot. And I didn't even know what they were at the time. And I walked by and I saw one. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> it was like the most just amazing looking vehicle I've ever seen. And I, for a year, couldn't get it off my mind. I'm like, God, I have to have one. I have to have one. Every time I saw one, I'm like, I have to have this. And so I was talking to Matt Felderman at AV about, you know, purchasing an AV equipped truck or building one. And it just made more sense for me to build one being, being that w- who we are in our location. So I asked Mike and all of them, we'd get together and do some kind of collaborative build and, that's what came of it. But truth be told, I barely even drive the ZR2 at this point. So it's, I guess you could say I love it. Yeah, if you guys are looking for how to build a PXL uh, four-wheeler, we'll have some stories on it that we worked with Nick and Mike at uh, Adventure Off-Road and went through the process of what it takes to take a Ram HD and build it up into a uh, prospector. But it's pretty amazing when you look at your website now, you've got a, a, a mix of products, whether it's your own. Um, well, I'm surprised that he's got, you've got into Ford, Lexus, Toyota, you know, well, say is there's, there's a lot of different applications, everything from mm-hmm. things you make like upper control arms to, you know, uh, kits and things that other people make. How did you branch out into being the Colorado guy into all these additional applications? And then what's your well, focus on, you know, the things you build versus some of the things you carry? Because obviously your goal is to make a complete package for somebody. So you're the one stop shop mm-hmm. for somebody. 
that's the idea is that we're a one-stop shop. And a lot of the times adding products on our website is it's a slow uptaking because there's just a couple of us working with this company at the moment. So most of the time it's when people ask us, Hey, can you get this? Or, Hey, do you guys carry this? And we have the network already. We have the relationship. We just may not have added it to the site yet. We try to be on the forefront of, I guess you could say was popular in a lot of ways. The Lexus GX market exploded recently in the last probably year or two. And, Huge. Uh, being that I know the guys at Ivoc, I knew that there were things coming down the pipeline, like production coilovers, the load leveling system, um, the airbag delete. So I kind of had that inside knowledge of what was coming. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool. So we ended up carrying, I, I would buy all of Ivox GX kits every time they would come out and just hoard them. So you <laughs> were that guy. In the country. I was that guy. There's some, uh, there's some GX guys I follow uh, on Instagram. Because you're right, that market is blowing up, and I like to stay up with uh, you know vehicles that are on the move. And I think like right now, for it's uh, Land Cruiser 80 Series, it's uh, Lexus yep. GXs um, seem to be you know really really hot right now. Outside of the kind of the, the normal newer stuff that you might see, do you like to troll other sites that say back ordered, and then you go, ha, ha, I've got them in stock. <laughs> well, I saw people that are like, hey, I, I want to do this to my GX, but you know, just like Lightning said, back ordered. So now yeah. we know it's it's Nick. <laughs> so so either go buy from him or yell at him. One of the two. Well, there was a time where it was kind of, I'm not going to say who, but there was a competitive edge in another company that was buying a lot of these kits. And so I would just tell my sales guy, I was like, when these come out of production, I want all of them. So. <laughs> How would you uh, like your kit, sir? Everyone all, all and all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's just knowing, I guess, where these, you know, where people are going to be going in the direction that, of new products that are unpopular, but. There's so, no rhyme or reason to some things like the GX market. Never, I would have never thought in a million years you could buy a GX five years ago for four grand. Now it's like eighteen to twenty thousand dollars for the same truck. It's just nuts. It's because it's a Prado, you know. Like it's just mm-hmm. such a great vehicle. Nobody ever thinks of Lexus, but that's how you get a Prado here in the states, and they're fantastic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. vehicles. Yeah, they're they're capable too. So Nick. You know, you were bored by the Toyotas when you got into the Colorados, but now you're carrying the Toyota products. I'm curious, uh-huh. has there been a shift? Is is the Colorado product still the hottest, or has it shifted now over to Ford, Lexus, Toyota, Chevy, GMC? For us, it's still the Colorado. We're, I mean, it's number one by a huge margin. Okay. We built this company primarily in the Colorado world, and we primarily are known for that. So we branched out on things because we wanted to diversify the brand and not get pigeonholed into a certain, like just be Colorado guys. But at heart, it's, you know, the niche that we filled, we, we, I'm not going to say we built the market, but we certainly had a hand in it and all the products that we actually manufacture in house are for the Colorado market. So I guess like our hearts kind of in that direction, but as far as manufacturing concerned, there's no need for us to get into Toyota because there's already a million companies out there. You've got 10 choices of every single aftermarket part you could think of from 10 different companies. And we wanted to stick with, you know, making things that people don't. I mean, at the time before Kib Tech, we were the first people making arms with his ZR2s. And at this point, it's still just us and Kib Tech. So it's kind of cool to be able to say you're the first or have the first built truck. Or I mean, we had probably one of the first, if not the first, like full built 21 ZR2 with some prototype parts and some one-off stuff that still isn't available. And uh, we built that truck in like 28 days. So that was pretty cool. Um, but I don't know. It just, it's, that's the market we love. And I'm, we're the, we're also in it. So we build it for the trucks. We have the trucks. We wheel the trucks. We wheel our customers. I mean, we are like everyone else. And I try to make that as a part of the company that, you know, we're you, we're, we're the community. We're, you know, in it as well. We build things people ask for. 
because we're small enough where we can. And uh, a lot of companies will focus on, you know, what can they produce millions of, where us, we can produce hundreds or thousands and still be okay. That's interesting that you were going to, because my next question is, a lot of the bigger companies in the aftermarket will call up SEMA, an organization like that, and they'll look up the vehicles in operation. And they'll say, mm-hmm. we're thinking about making X product for Y vehicle. And how many are on the road? And if it's like, well, GM's only going to produce... It's a great example. GM just announced that they're no longer going to produce the three-liter Duramax mm-hmm. 22. Am I spoiling some I of your truck news? Well, um, yeah, but I mean, that's chip shortage. Not, that's not because they're ending the engine. But what I'm saying is that will affect somewhat the the decision to make a product and offer it for that. They're like, well, that's going to be several thousand less on the road. It doesn't seem like that affected the decision when you launched this because you're like, no, we're the Colorado mm-hmm. guys. I'm going to offer it. didn't Because the Colorado, there aren't as many Colorados on the road as, say, like a Silverado 1500. It's got to be like mm-hmm. a thousand to one Silverados to Colorado. Well, you say the same thing about Tacoma, but the beauty of it is he has less competition. So his piece of that pu- that that pie is going to be a lot bigger going into Colorado versus maybe some of the other markets. It's all reputation-based for us. Well, and you guys have done a ton of stuff, social, word of mouth. I guess I found you because you're friends with everybody I'm friends with, and somehow we didn't know each other. So um, I'm like, every post that had something overlanding, it's like Nick Somas. I'm like, damn it. And he's like, friends with Mike Rice, (laughs) friends with Matt Felderman, friends with, you know. The reason I know about Pete. Friends with Rich Wade is friends with, you know, like, he's just like friend, friend, friend. I'm like, how do I not know him? So the the, the Uh way that I knew about Peak is that we were, at my day job, we were selling parts to guys with modded, uh, you know, on the engine side, right? And Mm -hmm. then we'd we'd do a little story on them like, oh yeah, I got Peak suspension and da, da, da. I'm like, who's this Peak? Like they kept popping up. Guys are Putting on bigger wheels, bigger tires. It's sort of like the, the uh, if you know, you know. It's co- sort of how the company was was built. I feel like it's it's like the people who didn't know were curious about it, and the people who ran peak early and had their Colorados lifted. Everybody wanted to know how did you do that, right? But it's, that's just like AEV, Kinda, though. Yeah. That's like with AEV. You know, I wasn't aware of AEV. Real. I mean, I'd heard the name, but it didn't resonate until you were like AEV. Like, yeah. why don't you know about them? Yeah. And I had heard, but it didn't resonate with me. But once you're in that little inner sanctum, you go, oh, my Lord. Like, how did I not know? Yeah, I mean, like an uh, aftermarket company that fully engineers things to OE level. Who would have thunk, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing. And, and quality guys like to stick together, right? So you find a, a lot of times you'll find brands tie up with other brands that are on their tier, on their level. And so when you look at the the brands that Peak supports, you know, just like if you look at the brands AEV supports, it's the cream of the crop, right? It's the it's the tier one. Yeah, in you the don't want to hang out with a stoner. You want to hang out with a mathematician. You know what I'm saying? Like you want someone to bring you up in your group. That's right. Uh, uh, high tide raises all boats, as exactly, they say. Exactly, right? exactly. So, Nick, what are some of the you know other platforms? I know that you guys have sort of gotten into Rangers a little bit. Rangers seem to be taking up, you know, Getting a little bit more popular. I, I, I don't know that they're quite as popular nah, as, a, as Colorado is in that space, but it seems like they're getting a little bit of a head of steam. What's your thoughts on that? And what have you guys seen? And the Bronco Sport. Ranger market was great, actually. Um, we had a 2019, we bought in February of 2019. So we had one of the earliest ones. And again, this is one of those things that's, that's race to be first. So for Irvine Expo West in April or May of that year, we wanted to have like the first fully built Overland Ranger. So I shipped the thing four different states and had prototype parts made, um, like the custom bed racks and, and a prototype roof rack from KC, prototype bumpers from Mountain Fabrication. Everything was like a one-off. I had prototype wheels from AEV, um, the Crestones we put on that Ranger. They were one-offs. And so it, it was one of those things that was, let's hurry up, 
like the Colorado, if we can do it first and we can build enough traction, we'll build the market. And so we had that truck for Oban Expo, kind of came out of nowhere. It's funny to this day, people still say, oh man, your Rangers inspire us to build our Rangers. So it's really cool to hear stuff like that. But the the issue with the Ranger was that it was already an old platform. And so that chassis had been around since I think 2012. And then 2015 was that facelifted model that we see now. And we all knew the Ranger was going to be done by 2022 or 2024, whatever the date is going to be for the new launch. Uh, I think 22 because it's the Bronco platform. So yeah, the T6. I think a lot of companies. So I think a lot of companies were apprehensive to build parts from in the first place because they knew it's going to be a small market, and they knew that there's going to be a whole new Ranger coming, a whole new Bronco coming. So why are we going to invest the R&D time to make something that's just going to be gone in a few years? We ended up selling ours about three or four months ago because I thought I was going to get a Bronco three or four months ago. <laughs> and uh, Oops. So, yeah, oops. And, and all hindsight, said, I would have kept it if we had the space for it, but it just, I don't need two of the same vehicles. And if I was to pick one over the other, the ZR2 is going to win all day long. Um, but I did love it. I think it was a great truck. I'm excited to see what they do with the next itineration of that. But we'll see. I mean, engine transwise, I think it was fantastic. I'm sure you guys drove one at some point for sure. the tests on them. but Yeah, the Tremor is actually you know. uh, a really nice package. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what other platforms that are upcoming do you have your eye on? Is it the next generation uh, Tacoma, which is on the way? Is it, obviously you mentioned Bronco. Is it T6 Ranger coming out, which is supposed to be even more off-road capable than the uh, current T5 that we have? What are some of the things that, that you've got your eye on that you're interested in that's, that look like, you know, not to give your business plan away, but just you personally, <laughs> what, what, what's, what excites uh, you? Definitely the Bronco. Um, we have a first edition to our on order since we were able to order one. Um, now that they're ceasing production and resetting the whole program with new roofs, we should be getting ours in November. Because if we said they're going to make all the positions now first, um, that's definitely a market we're going to hit and we're going to prototype and make shocks for. Um, we can do a coilover conversion for that because the Bilstein shocks that come on that are very similar to DSSVs. So we can probably do a coilover conversion to something like that and then also be able to retail and carry it with other brands. But definitely we'll prototype coilovers for that truck. And uh, honestly, I kind of want to look at the new frontier because nissan's been needing something for a long time and this thing looks like it might be a good so uh, entry i, to I don't i don't want to be a homer about that because yeah, well, nissan sponsors our show but i just drove, may have some info here yes i, I just say i just <laughs> drove the pro 4x and it yeah. is it is really good um it's you yeah. know it's, yeah it's based on the older platform but all the changes that they did like the uh hydraulic uh you know cab mounts and the zero gravity seats and the new interior and all the stuff that comes with it that the 3.8 with the nine speed is really great. I feel like there's so much potential in that truck. There's, you know, even Nismo, you can get the Bilstein 5160 package from them, from the dealer Mm -hmm. and upgrade it. But the the best thing is anything you make for the new truck should fit the old truck, which has been around as long as uh, Tacoma since 05, because it's a modified version of the F alpha platform. And I'm just dying for somebody to do something with the new frontier because I, I think from it would give the truck a whole new life. It really would. N- no one's done anything the, with it. The older truck yeah. for sure, because there's right. not a big. There's not. Uh, and for me, I've always said, for a truck to be successful, you have to have an aftermarket behind it because people like to modify mm-hmm. trucks, right? And and the first person that jumps in and does something cool with the Pro 4X or you know the the Frontier in general, from what I'm hearing, just on my Instagram, on my socials, from my articles on Four Wheeler, there is so much pent up demand that I haven't seen for a mid-sized truck. I mean, maybe Gladiator, maybe ZR2, but all these people are like, oh man, Frontier was my first truck. 
or that's mm-hmm. the first four by four I ever had. Man, I missed that truck. Wow, that thing looks so good. Well, the, the styling of the new one is that's what I think well, people the, are saying. The interior too. The interior is great. I, I get it, but the, the first thing is the styling. They really, yeah. they really did a nice job with it. Yeah, I would love to see somebody do something with that truck and and give it a run to see uh, if they can excite that market because I think that if you can have that market cornered. And get people excited the way you did in, with Colorado. I, I think that's a major uh, a major coup for you, my friend. That was kind of a thought process too. It's 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 been a, kind of like a cult following. For sure, lots of people have them, but there's never really anything good out there aftermarket wise. And secretly, I've always loved Nissan's from Frontiers to Xterras. I mean, they've always just been something unique that there wasn't really a market for. And so when you're looking at buying trucks, I loved the Frontier, but. What was there out? You know, there was something out there, and which is a shame because the truck has a great, reliable platform. Mm-hmm. It's solid. I always tell people, like when you look at a Tacoma, the frame is still C channels and rivets behind the cab. You know, under the bed, and drum brakes, and drum brakes in the back, <laughs> and a ton of jiggles it's so and all that. Sad that seriously, mm-hmm. there's no. still drum brakes. And you look at the Frontier mm-hmm. chassis, 2021 people, and you look at the Frontier <laughs> chassis. And they've had a fully boxed frame since 2005. Not only that, but mm-hmm. they have these deep-drawn frame rails. So the transfer case and anything that can be damaged is all tucked up above the bottom of the frame rail where you look at like a Tacoma and they've got a skid plate hanging down because the T-case hangs down below the frame rail. No, it's like mm-hmm. our bellies over our belts. You no, know, it's, it's not. That's horrible. That's a horrible <laughs> reference. Uh, but you can get a you know factory rear locker. It comes with Bilsteins from the factory as well. You can get, you know, a, was it a 32 and a half or 33-inch tire from the factory? It's got a really good powertrain, really good interior. It has all, it, great uh, tow hooks, uh, recovery points, fully skid plated on the bottom. It has a lot going for it. I'm just waiting for somebody to go, oh, yeah, that one, you know? Mm-hmm. It, I th- oh, yeah, that truck. <laughs> I think it's ripe. I think it's ripe for somebody well, to come well, in and well, do hold something. Hold on a second. I th- pause. Yeah. I think you just found Nick. Well, I, I get it. This but, conversation is happening in real but, time. But I'm not, saying like I'm not <laughs> Nick's product planner. But honestly, he's the one that brought it up. You didn't. No, uh, true. And that was not a setup. That was all natural Nick. Bring up. We just got excited about it because we like the Frontier. <laughs> yeah, because see how that happened. He says, hey, guys, I'm thinking about the Nissan. Holman didn't start that conversation. No, I did not. That had, We have never talked about that before. I'm just de- <laughs> delighted it came up. Well, I'm glad you're planning this for us. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you guys want to uh, check out what... Uh, is available for the uh, Nissan Frontier. Check peak suspension in about three months. Uh, <laughs> no, Q1 no, of next year. No, 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 no. Just bombard them. On, yeah, and on t- email them and tell uh, them how you need no, just every, Frontier no, help. Every time you oh, post man, something, we already get the most obscure questions. Every time you <laughs> post something about another vehicle on Facebook, just just, just hashtag Frontier. Nissan Frontier. Just bold. <laughs> yes. Just bomb him every comment. Yes. So all eight of our listeners will just they'll, they'll be every time eight eight <laughs> hashtag hashtags. Nissan yeah. Frontier. That's, that's eight sales right there. That's, that's right. Hey, well, that's true. That's true. I'm kind of curious about uh, entrepreneurship. You obviously had a life before peak suspension. Somehow you lost your mind and went, all right, I'm going to go work for myself and do this. Do you have any other advice for somebody who's on the cusp, who's thinking about being an entrepreneur, who just needs that little push into it? Uh, Anything that you can add? Because there's a lot of guys listening to the show who have been inspired by people we've had on who have started their own businesses. And I'm always curious, what was the advice you wish you had when you started or what would you like to share with somebody? Uh, well, one of the things, so truth be told, I still work a full-time job on top of peak. So if I were to give somebody else advice, I would just say quit, <laughs> <laughs> just, just do it and go in all in and do it full-time. Cause for me, it was, it wasn't intended ever to be what it is. It just ended up being that way. So, well, what's the full-time um, they, job? 
Uh, so we're in healthcare management. So I do a lot of hospital oversight, um, EBS management. Uh, so very unrelated. <laughs> very unrelated. <laughs> yeah, but that's where I see where it's coming from, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, exactly. So thankfully I had a, I had a life that can sustain this um, and, and help. You know, oh, that's funny. I also have a wife that stuff. sustains my passion. <laughs> it seems that a lot of off-road racers have gigs and and wives, and wives. That, yeah, and wives that sustain them. See, that's yes. the thing. You right. get into off-road racing so that you're cool, so you get the ladies. Right. Then you get one that's awesome, mm-hmm. who loves what you do, and then you bait and switch after you get married, ah. where she has to take care of you, and then you have to, you still get to go do your passion. Is that the, is that the plan? Oh, should yeah. I, I didn't even get that right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Damn, all wrong. I've got a two-year degree, and my wife has two masters and a doctorate from USC. So, I'm good. I mean, you're like, honey, I have an idea, and she says, "You must be out of your mind." And no, then? I think she boos me. I think is what she does. <laughs> oh, she. This is her. Yeah. Ooh. Every time. Really? Okay. No, no. My wife's great. She uh, she, she allows me to get out of the house and and go, you know, disappear in the desert She's for like, days hey, on end. I'm going to the desert again. No, 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 no. no. She cheers. Oh, really? Yeah, the crowd. Like oh, when I say, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's her, right? Yeah. I said, I'm going to be gone for, I was gone for uh, 10 days on the trip I can't talk about yet. Uh-huh. And she's like, are you sure it's only 10 days? So, and at that point, I felt like, wait a minute, this is a trap. <laughs> so, hey, Nick, okay. you, you've said we, 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 we. Who's the we now? So you went from like, it's just you with your iBot guys, you know, sitting around having drinks. And you're like, I'm going to do this. So you do it. You buy all the kits. You go, you go almost broke buying all these kits. And then now you need staff to like fill the orders, shove parts in boxes, meet the UPS guy at the curb. Like that can't be you if you're in healthcare. So who does that stuff, and how do you hire that person? Uh, so thankfully, I have a business partner. I've always had one since the beginning. So he has um, been my right hand man in a lot of this stuff. And then we've grown to add customer service and and shipping and, and logistics to our, our repertoire as well. But it's all in people that I know. So. Um, my girlfriend does the customer service stuff and she manages all of our uh, order processing, customer service handling, stuff like that. And because I can't, I'm incapable of doing customer service because I'm too hot headed and too aggressive. And uh, when people send angry emails, it doesn't go well usually. So I remove myself from that. Um, and I handle mostly the design, marketing, sales, um, product development with my business partner. So that's kind of where we're at now. Um, we're looking at expanding and getting into a bigger warehouse because we're at, you know, full capacity at this point. So it's been thankfully not without help, but, um, in the beginning it was myself and my business partner alone, and I'd be doing my full-time job and delivering packages and going to the post office and getting more stuff and doing all kinds of stuff throughout the day. Every break I had was replying to emails and phone calls. It was just, it got nuts to say the least. Were you doing this out of the garage or did you start with a little like 1200 square foot warehouse? We started in the garage and the funny thing is when we first started this company, I'm sitting there in my office in my underwear and running this freaking crazy business while people are in a, you know, busting these huge buildings and concrete brick and mortar and I'm just some random dude. So the funny thing was with Peak is that my entire person, my, my whole thing with Peak was branding and I wanted to have the perception that, you know, we're professional company and 
when we first started, people thought we were this huge corporation and people would email us all the time asking for job applications. I'm like, dude, this is three of us. <laughs> three dudes in the garage yep. and some dude in his underwear in his office. Don't pull back the curtain. Really, don't pull back the <laughs> curtain. Exactly. Yeah. He was in the uh, his underwear in the office because it was so hot and he didn't want to run the AC because he's going off at a really low overhead like we are in this podcast studio right now. Exactly. And so we kept it running at a, you know. Super lean. Small for a long time. So the leaner the better. Um, so for us, everything's been organic growth. There's no investors, there's no investments, there's no loans, there's no debt. Um, everything was just growing as we could. And so all the profits we'd get, we'd roll into more product and buying more parts. So that's kind of just how we ended up where we are now. Um, when COVID hit, it was going to be one of two things. The first was we're, we're, we're screwed. The second was everyone's going to be buying stuff because they want to get outside and go do stuff. And it was thankfully the latter. And we had done double the year prior in the first six months of COVID. Then you know, I mean, it was it was nuts. Nick, like, would you say you uh, peaked during? I uh... would say we peaked <laughs> in several <laughs> ways. <laughs> well, that's yeah, Lightning's not ready for well, that. He has no, all these sound effects. He can never find them. On. <laughs> Will you just get at some go. sort of like hot button board? Because you like have to go find the cursor on your laptop and your you just. You would think that you know Lightning is Hold a lot on. like you. This when, is for me. Yeah. You know, Nick, lightning's a lot no, no, like... No, 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 wait, wait, hold on. This is... Hold on. We are deeply sorry. <sighs> lightning's a lot sorry. like Peak starting out where he doesn't have We're any sorry. air conditioning on and yeah. he's running really lean. And I thought he was a professional company also. Nope. And he turned out to just be what everybody knows him as on this show. You're a lying <laughs> sack of shit. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. A little bit true. Right, Thanks you, for watching, and remember, everything matters. Can you stop playing sound effects? <laughs> God, he's got he's gone loopy over here. It's hot as hell in here. It's Nick, stuck. we're gonna have to let you go just so lightning can go outside and cool off. His brain temperature is starting to boil over there. <laughs> Listen, Nick, congratulations on the success. Peak suspension is Thanks, obviously man. a hit. And it's bleeding over, bleeding out of. Do you bleed over, bleed out of? <laughs> I don't well, know no, where you're going. Bleed Hold over. Hold on, easy. Careful. <laughs> careful. Hold on. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. His bucket is runneth over. Okay. It's overflowing? Yes. Not bleeding. No, so what, what I was going to say is bleeding out of the Colorado market into the Okay, others. that's okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is where I have to. Uh, Hopefully, keep Dial, lightning from that. being uh, what I call accidentally offensive. Yes, that's because uh, <laughs> he does that from time to time, and then you're like, um, you have to go. It, it's sort of like when you have a dog mm-hmm. and you take him for a walk, and there's like a nice couple out on their lawn, and then the dog craps right in front of them on the, mm-hmm. on their driveway, not even on their lawn. Yeah. <laughs> this place blows. <laughs> and it's just, it's basically like I, always apologizing because uh-huh. he does everything in front of people. Uh, he does nothing to himself. <laughs> Horrible. Oh, my God. Lightning. Shut the F up. Okay. Shut up, All right. Lightning. Shut up. I will. Lightning, shut up. All right, I will. Can we, can we <laughs> let Nick go? It's late for him. He's, he's tired right. of talking to us. He's got to go back to the uh, medical industry and selling uh, high-performance shock absorbers. Is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> I yeah, don't think totally. he's doing that. I, were you in on this interview, or was it just me? No, I, I think you missed I, the I point. I was listening. Okay. All right, all right. If you guys want to check out Peak Suspension, it's peaksuspension.com, or, of course, on Instagram. They've got a great Instagram page that's at Peak Suspension. And for those of you in SoCal or, or those of you willing to uh, make, a, make a trip, September 11th at uh, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Adventure Off-Road at the Jeep dealership in Huntington Beach off Beach Boulevard. Uh, Nick will be there. 
Um, and I will be there with the uh, Adventure Jeep 2.0, so you can see both of us in person and uh, get a chance to uh, gaze on uh, what the uh, Peak Suspension team is up to these days. Heck yeah. That'd be a good show. We just sold out the other day, too. Yeah, that, uh, I guess there's a bunch of spots that uh, people had to pay for for to be in it and all Dunsky. So now it's spectators only. So uh, they're clearing out the back lot of the dealership, and I guess we're uh, going to be having a bunch of our rigs on display. So uh, you'll get to see me there. You can see Nick there, Peak Suspension. You going to be signing autographs? I won't be. <laughs> I, I'll be, I hope <laughs> no, I'll just no. be drinking beer. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, congratulations on the success, Nick. Uh, and Thanks, I apologize guys. for my shenanigans. We are, uh, I'm envious of your success. So. <laughs> That's actually probably true. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. All right, well, guys, uh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And hopefully uh, I'll see you at the gun club again soon. Heck yeah, man. All right, brother. It's been a long time for us, but we'll be there. Wait, All right. Which way? Stop. What gun club? Are you talking about uh, the one in Huntington? Yeah, at Hot Rods and Handguns. He's a member down there? So, funny story. Oh, we, since, the, yeah. <laughs> since the beginning, we had no idea. So I came in. And I'm also, since the beginning, obviously we had Tim Miller on the podcast before he even opened. And I see, uh, I guess it was the Colorado. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I know that truck. And so I told uh, one of the managers there, I go, hey, uh, I'm going to go have a cigar in the cigar lounge. Can you tell me if that truck moves? So I'm in the middle of a really delicious cigar. Uh, I think it was a black <laughs> label Tatawahe. And uh, Steve comes in and says, hey, that truck is moving. You better move. And it's like, crap, put down my cigar. Ran downstairs. Nick is in reverse out of a parking spot, and I come up and bang on his window, scare and he's like, the, yeah, in the dark. Yeah. Did he Did he scare the crap out of you? In the dark in a gun club. That's <laughs> <laughs> brave. And I said, uh, hi, I'm Sean Holman for Four Wheeler. We know each other, but we don't. And then that's how this all started. And then I said, you need to be on yeah. our, our podcast. Did you guys hug and caress? What happened Well, he, that? he was in the- uh, I touched his beard. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, it, geez, it was gentle, wow. though. It was more of a blowing. Of a the, wisp. The, yeah, it was a wisp. Yeah. Okay. His girlfriend was there too, so he had to be really careful. You know, he didn't want to be seen. <laughs> no, it was it was a thing of beauty, and uh, we realized that we literally know each one of us know the exact same group of people. So or it's at least one yeah. degree of separation. You guys have probably been in the same room together and just not known it. Probably a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I, I said, Guaranteed. "Hey, uh, we're working with you on your PXL build for four wheeler, and uh, I have this really stupid podcast with this guy. Do you want to come on with and this he, guy?" Thanks. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, um, yeah, I'm bored. And so we set it up. It's okay, great. So wow. that's that's how he came to be. Well, thank you for carving out 45 minutes for us. <laughs> so, and we apologize <laughs> deeply. <laughs> no, this has been great. This has been fun. All awesome. right, brother. Well, we uh, we appreciate it. And uh, when you got some new stuff, let us know because we'll we'd love to have you back on. For sure, that'd be great. All, All right, right, man. Talk thank to you, soon. Nick. Thanks, guys. Take All care. Right, bye-bye. Bye, bye, bye. Hi, Mr. Sean Holman. Uh, we got any truck news lined up for this episode, number 190. Uh, we have so much truck news. All right, here we go. What's, What's new, new in trucks? trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? Now, Holman, don't hose me this time. Why? We need the big ah. Uh. We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Yes, yes. No, we're back. We're back. Are you sure? Back. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I think we're, I think, I think, uh, well. No! No, we're not back. No, we're not back. That's <laughs> no. not. No, we're not back. <sighs> I got some sad news. Oh, no. Uh, I have not heard. Thanks for asking. No! Uh, no! Uh, sad trombone somewhere? Oh, sure. I can get that uh, queued up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, GM is temporarily going to stop uh, making the three liter Duramax due to a quote unquote sudden supplier shortage. 
Although it's supposed to be temporary, so uh, GM says they'll resume production, quote unquote, as soon as possible. This, of course, uh, affects the Chevy Silverado 1500, GMC Sierra 1500, Chevy Suburban, Chevy Tahoe, GMC Yukon, Calic Escalade, <sighs> LM2, Diesel, Womp. So sad. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a massive seller. Uh, whoa, whoa, so whoa, it's whoa. not. No, hold on. You're making it sound like they're stopping making it. Well, they're pausing. They're pausing because of a supplier issue, not because it didn't sell. I... It wasn't taking the world by storm. Uh, what are you talking about? It just wasn't. How do you know that? Because I looked at the vehicles in operation, and it's fairly small I, number. And I think it matches what their business case was. It is, by all accounts, has been a well-received engine. So said Ford about the 3.0 early on. No, the, that's different. The, the, no. <laughs> How's that different? Because the Ford is like a 15-year-old engine based on like the old Lion engine that was in Range Rovers and crap like that. Okay. And the three liters are completely modern from the ground up. They're not... See, Lightning wants you in his uh, uh, responses for you guys to think that GM is killing the engine. That's not what's happening. They're not killing the engine. I'm here to tell you, to back you up, they're not killing the engine. They're having a uh, a hardware shortage. They just can't get the parts needed to make it. Right. The way, same way we just announced last show that Mercedes said no more V8s in 2022. They're going to bring back V8s, I would assume. You That's hope what so. the company's known for, right? Well, they're known so, for being hmm. a-holes. Uh, anyway, uh, three-liter <laughs> diesel will be back ASAP. Apparently, uh, this is just a uh, – it's not even a chip shortage. It's just a supplier issue of some hard parts. So uh, don't listen to Lightning. Uh, diesel doing well, coming back soon. All right, Lightning, did you hear? No. No, I did not. Uh, for the week of uh, August 30th, uh, the TRX is no longer in production. Wait, what? Wait, what? Uh, either is the Ram 1500. For the week of August 30th? Yeah. What is just for one week? They're oh, taking I mean, it off. the microchip shortage is uh, wreaking havoc on RAM now. They're the next victims to uh, to fall flat. So, what they've ca- done the calculations, we don't have enough for every week in the year. We're going to take a week off of production, yeah. and that'll set us straight. Well, you hope. You hope. I don't know. That's what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is RAM is ceasing production for a week. You're filling in all this color that you think you know. I'm not saying that. <laughs> just extrapolated it. Right. Like, okay, well. But, you're, but this is the news but, where we tell fact, and lightning adds color like What I'm he saying knows. is they think they'll catch up if they take a week off. That's all I'm saying. You hope. Maybe it's not catching up. Maybe they just hope like they get a package for the UPS, man, full of uh, <laughs> microchips is what I'm saying. Okay. All says right. uh, the Automotive News has reported that microchip uh, shortage is forcing total industry-wide North American auto production be cut by 2.1 million units, wow. and the global impact is projected to reach 8.1 million units before the chip disaster gets resolved. Uh, according to Motor Trend, these non-potato chips are causing a huge unsatisfying crunch. Which <laughs> non-potato is, uh, chips. Which is a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, well done. So uh, what's the impact of one week offline for the Ram 1500 alone? Well, if you figure 633,694 Rams were sold in 2020... A year that was down 11% that averages out to 12,186 Rams sold each week. This number includes heavy duties but doesn't account for TRX and is the number of trucks sold, not produced. So it's not a perfect comparison, but you can probably figure, you know, if you look at the- what, 500 plant, TRXs? No, no, no. I'm just saying if you're figuring out, you know, um, how many vehicles, I think 12,000, you know, less for the year is probably accurate Okay. So it just sucks. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's 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 sad. Uh, Lightning, did you hear? How about new? I did not. 
uh, then you uh, are going to miss out on this. Lego has a brand new. Uh, <gasps> yeah, my kids have been on a on a crazy Lego. They just built a, a Ferrari. They built a Nissan GTR, and there have been no trucks uh, in Lego available at the local Target. So. We have not built a truck yet, but we're building all these little six-inch-long uh, Lego cars lately. All right. Well, uh, Lego has introduced the new T2 Volkswagen camper van model, no which is kidding. freaking awesome. Look Let at me that see thing. that. Oh, wow. It's got that's the, cool. like, the Westfalia-style pop-up. It's got a spare on the front. That is badass. When Micro I went up to uh, our buddy Ben Palmer's up there in... Uh, Oregon. Alaska, Oregon, wherever he lives. Alaska, And okay. it's just funny to say that. Um, he, he, he has this massive dinner table in the kitchen, and the only thing on it is a big glass box, you know, uh-huh. where you'd put a museum piece in it. Full of uh, with Legos? A, with a Lego, which is full of Legos, oh. with a single Volkswagen bus. Oh, he's going to love this. You know, uh, the, the Technic, the right. really detailed so one. So this one, the T2 model is bigger than the T1 version they offered uh, and comprised of more pieces. Their T1 was 1,332 pieces. This one's 2,207. Dang. The detail on the one on his dinner table is crazy. That means the recommended age range is bumped from 16 to 18 plus. Oh, my God. Uh, It says uh, if if your little tyke is a brick-placing prodigy, then maybe you should uh, invest the $179.99 that this kid is for. Uh, But as with many of LEGO's creator series sets, including the equally detailed Type 1 Beetle from a few years back, it also appeals to a number of adults who love the challenge of assembling these kits and the car models they represent. You know what we're buying? Uh, Volkswagen T2. Nope. Why? James Bond's Aston Martin. That's cool. Yeah. And then are you going to run it over with your car? I'm when you're done, not. My mother, my mother is uh, you know, in her 70s and is the world's biggest James Bond fan. So you're telling her that she's getting a present early. She does listen to this, which is super bizarre. Yeah, my my mom does too. Super weird. She, she usually has comments about you, like how can I make you stop? <laughs> really? Stuff, like <laughs> I that. love it. Uh, the Lego Volkswagen T2 camper features a classic pop-top roof, working steering, a fully equipped kitchen, a pair of folding chairs, a surfboard, and even a rear bench that converts into a bed. The light blue and white two-tone is suitably friendly, and the interior is warm and inviting. Um, As if you're going to sleep dude. in it. Yeah, it is rad. I'm just saying, it's freaking rad. How are Legos... There are some Lego kits that are lame, like their City Series. Those are so whack. I don't know who buys the City Series. They're so... Whack people. But yeah, who, you stop it. Don't listen to our show if you buy the City Series Legos. But if you're into the Technic or you're into... Hey, the, Lightning, did you hear? Apparently, I did not hear. Oh. Oh, what happened at the end? I don't know. I, well, you, the spent, end, you, a, you spent too much time screaming, so you crashed? I don't know what the heck happened right there. It was like... God, the end. That, that hit sounds so hard <laughs> in the ears. Bad. Yeah. Dude, it's just... It's so hard. Because you know... Oh. You know that was that cost money. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! No, I did not. Uh, the Nissan Frontier Configurator is live on the Nissan USA website. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't you be a little bit happier? <laughs> well, Jeez. I don't. That's the only yes I had handy. Try again. Well, I don't have a longer yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Configurator at Nissan right. USA.com. Did you, Lighting, did you hear? No, I did not. Uh, we have it on good authority that Nissan is considering Nismo branded trucks and SUVs <gasps> for the U.S. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, 
you know that I have been uh, telling the, uh, the the Nissan folks mm-hmm. for some time now. Well, if you read my story of uh, the first drive of the Nissan Frontier uh, Pro 4X on the four-wheeler portion of MotorTrend.com, you would see that I may have hinted at the end that it leaves room for a Nismo model at the top. And in fact, Nismo... I remember over, you saying that on this show, by over the Over-the-counter sells Bill Stein 5160 upgrade shocks, which are basically the old shocks that were on the TRD Pros before they got went over to Fox, which are fantastic, spectacular shocks that would work on the current Frontier. And the old Frontier, if you remember, Lynn Woodward had the Nissan through Rebel Rally when we had her on, was talking about the shocks. Anyway, the pieces are all floating in the Nissan universe, and uh, there's a report out there that, uh, you know, according to Automotive News, once again, that uh, there may be a Nismo version of some trucks on the Frontier. Why are you speaking outside of the year uh, on the corner of your mouth? Nissan's listening. Oh yeah, and I don't mm. want them to think that I did the thing and broke it. I'm saying other people, you're and then I'm just oh, really? extrapolating because sometimes you're saying I have to be that you're careful. breaking the embargo. All I'm saying is there are some things that I'm not so allowed to say. Holman's saying that there is a Nismo Frontier coming soon. That is not what I said yeah, at all. At loud and I clear. did not say that. I said it. Well, it's not true because we don't know that, and I know I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that at all to be true. Really, we are deeply sorry. We're sorry, uh, Nissan, unless it's true, and then, uh, and then, and then, yeah, that ain't true. But maybe that's not true. It might be. So get your facts straight. We're trying, but it's it's not true though. (laughs) It might be. We can Mm. talk about it. Might be. (sighs) Lightning. Did you hear? No, I did not. Ram has announced that the 22 Ram TRX will have a new package called the Ignition Edition for 2022. So the Ignition, that either has to do with like the color, like Ignition of Fire or something, or we can't just go like, oh, good, it's got an Ignition, it starts. How about it stands out with exclusive orange paint, special graphics. I knew it, I knew it. And machine blackface wheels. The theme continues inside with orange badging details and copper-hued carbon fiber trim, which that actually sounds freaking cool. Uh, useful hardware is added too. Uh, comes standard with spray and bed liner, bed step, tie downs, and the driving experience uh, is enhanced by way of panoramic sunroof, heads up display, and pedestrian automatic emergency braking. Hey, uh, lighting, did you hear? No, 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 no! I did not. Wow, that was uh, that is the exact thing that I uh, experienced. I said that was actually a recording of me. Oh, really? When I found out that the Ford Bronco pickup has been canceled. No! 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 So apparently, the vehicle that's going to go head to head with the Jeep Gladiator has been canceled. Don't know why, other than you would imagine that with the new Ranger coming out, maybe they thought that it was too much competition in house. So if they get a whistle, okay, all right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, Lightning. Did you hear? No. No, I have not. Uh, GMC released uh, their concept, uh, the Canyon 84 Overland X concept, at the recent uh, Overland Expo Mountain West in Loveland, Colorado. And it's a really clean truck. Of course, it's got a, a really cool RSI stainless steel cap on the back. We're going to have those guys on the show. Actually, been in touch with them. Would love for them to tell us about. Uh, 
uh, the product they make, but attached to that is a 270-degree batwing awning and a rooftop tent with so solar. weak they couldn't do 360 degrees. Come on now, guys. Ah, jeez. Uh, so, of course, uh, it's got all the things that you'd want. Bunch of AV parts. It's got AV wheels, rear bumper. It's got a rear uh, swing-out tire carrier. It's got a, a very cool uh, OE-looking front bumper, a snorkel, uh, rock rails. It's it's looks, just a uh, really tasteful vehicle. It looks pretty mean, to be honest. Yeah, it looks awesome. I I'm I was really uh, stoked to see it, and uh, I think it'll be cool. There's been rumors that there's a, uh, a Canyon AT4X coming uh, in 2023. What which would is, the X be? Well, I think it's akin to a ZR2 Colorado because uh, uh, GMC doesn't have a. Oh, I ZR2. forgot they got hosed on that package. So uh, it does show that it has DSSV dampers from Multimatic and 33 inch tires. But it's on a canyon, so we think this is a teaser of what's coming in 23 for the GMC Canyon lineup. So they're really starting to uh, push that AT4 to the next level, and this is uh, one of those steps they're taking. It's pretty uh, it's pretty attractive, i got to say that. Yeah, if you want to see pictures, head over to at uh, Four Wheeler Mag on Instagram, or check out uh, the Four Wheeler portion of the Motortrend.com website, where you can see a bunch of photos and see how tasteful they did it. One of the things I like is uh, it's got the snorkel and the grill, on the snorkel intake matches the grill on the truck. It looks like a little mini wait, truck grill. Wait, what? Let me see. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's the GMC logo dead center. Well, not dead center, but yeah, it's, it's no, a it's little. No, it's like the truck. Yeah, just it's the grill of the truck in, fit in the inside snorkel. the snorkel. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. So I thought that was kind I'm of a I'm not a nice snorkel guy. I like the, the snorkel on your Jeep looks good. I don't generally, well, I guess I'm not a water forty guy, so I don't really see the value in it, but that is, well, that's Well, snorkels nice aren't just for water fording, Lightning. Snorkels actually get your air intake up above the dust if you're in a big group of people. Also gets you up in the cooler. Hold on a second, not two stories up. The dust is going up. The the dust is way feet. The dust is way heavier where the tires are than it is where the roof of your truck is. On top of that, you're also getting a cooler air charge than you would by pulling out from the bumper or down below, either from your engine or from the hot desert trail. So there's a bunch of benefits to having a snorkel that have nothing to do you're with water You're also increasing back pressure as well. You know what I mean? It's like it's like sucking through a straw. So, Except that when we did mine, we found out that the snorkel head only lost four horsepower. I mean, so it's, okay. you can get your snorkel appropriately sized for your engine, and it's not a it's not a uh, impediment to suckage at all. <laughs> Unlike this show, which yeah. we should end we are, right now. We are a huge impediment to suckage. No, no, we are a huge impediment to not suckage. So we promote suckage. Yes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. All right, you know we uh, we suck for sure because we whoa, get whoa, to what's your this emails. We stuff? No, we did not read your email. And we want email, and I'll tell you how to send us one in a minute. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, We had so much show to get to that we did not have a chance to get to your email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or your phone calls, or all the Know Your Notes. Uh, Yeah, we have a lot of stuff uh, to get to. Let me just say one more time, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, I didn't even get to this. Dude, this morning, I'm cruising along, and I see one of those... um, Dirt hauling trucks. It's yeah. got the twin trailers. That yeah, and it gravel. dropped a rock. What did it hit? Nope, didn't drop a rock. Okay. Lost the back wheel on the passenger side. Sweet. The massive wheel, yeah. and it went across all the lanes. Yep. It almost went into the carpool lane on my side. Yeehaw. All the way over, and the two highway patrolmen were wheeling it back into position. <laughs> and I thought, dude, it is a massive That's not something you want to get wheel. hit by. No, not at all. So the reason I bring this up... I want to hear some bizarre stories from you guys. Truck All right, Podcast I had one. Com. Driving to the show tonight. What happened? I was driving down the, up, I guess up the 405 northbound, and this disc object 
hit the K-Rail, bounced in the air, and then bounced in the carpool lane and came after me in the uh, in the uh, number one lane. And as I swerved around it, I realized it was the round lid off a trash can. Oh, and no. So it was plastic. Oh, okay. It was just round. Oh, not like and the old metal no, ones. The, the wake Ooh. of my Jeep going by blew it back up in the air, and it got hit by a Porsche Cayenne in the carpool lane. I'm like, ooh, not me. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Well, I'm just... I, we've talked about this before, where I have this this crazy fear of a, 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 a tire, you know, going eighty yes. miles an hour, hopping the K rail and hitting you and square hitting in the noggin. Oh my god, going right through my windshield and caving yeah. in my car. And that's what, like, I don't know if it hit any cars or trucks this morning, but that it took two highway patrolmen to just push it back to the other side of the road, and they had. Uh, well, let's hope it didn't cause any more carnage than that. So I, I am curious if you have had a close call with a uh, an oncoming object, uh, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or call us to the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, 657-205-6105, share your story. Yeah, we'd love to you, uh, hear what you guys have to say, and uh, uh, that reminds me, I was on my motorcycle once on the 110 and rocked up, uh, dropped a uh, pretty sizable fist-sized rock off the top of it. It went bounce. Bounce right over you. Bounce and I ducked and went right over my left shoulder. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that would have hurt." Can you imagine? I was going sixty-five, boosh. seventy, right? Because it'll. Oh, crack it would not. It would have knocked me right off my bike. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, all right. Thank you so much, Nissan, for supporting the Truck Show podcast for so long, guys. Uh, the Nissan Frontier <laughs> build price is on the website now. Uh, you guys have to go check it out. The new Frontier is awesome. It's uh, hitting dealerships as we speak. Go check out the Pro 4X and then tell me you want a Nismo uh, because uh, I think that would be sweet. Yes. Well, we're, let's pressure them into it. Uh, well, we should. Let's bomb. <laughs> let's bomb Nissan. That might not be the right language. Facebook page. Let's just leave messages for them. Well, let's. I don't mean like an explosive let's device. Just, I mean like when you litter their right. You, like, Nismo Frontier. Woo! Exactly. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Nismo. Nismo. Right. Who's with me? NissanUSA.com or your local dealer. Of course, if you need a bigger truck, you can step up to the Nissan Titan or Titan XT. Five-year, one hundred thousand mile warranty, best in the industry. Okay, so when you're looking for tools. And you want one that has a lifetime warranty that's guaranteed forever. Ooh, Where know, do you go, Lightning? I know the answer. I know the answer. Okay. You can go to DuralastParts.com or your local AutoZone. And here's why. They have specific tools. Like, you know, there, there, are, the, there are other brands that are known for specialty tools, and they're insanely expensive. Duralast makes most of those same tools, and they're incredibly reasonably priced. That's too many LYs. Incredibly <laughs> reasonably very priced. Very interesting of you to. Well, uh, at, at the head of the show, I told you my new, my new favorite one, which is the extendable yes. eighth inch socket, right? Or uh, uh, ratchet. Right? What, what Lightning's trying to tell you is that Duralast tools have. I'm glad I have you to, uh, to, to crystallize yes. everything I'm trying to say. Ratchets, combo wrenches, sockets, bit sockets, impact sockets, breaker bars, ratcheting wrenches, tongue and groove tools, locking pliers, locking pliers. Cutters, grip socket sets, locking adjustable wrenches, long reach pliers. Yeah, but Holman, the warranty is just whatever. Uh, guaranteed for life. <gasps> what? Doorlastparts.com or at your <laughs> local AutoZone. Aren't we great actors? Uh, Not so much. Don't think I've got anything that has to do with SAG or I am no, Hold on a second. You do have a lot of things that have to do with SAG. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, one thing you could do if you want to control your SAG <laughs> is head over to uh, uh-huh. BillStein.com and check out their expansive catalog of applications for their awesome monotube shocks. Their catalog is almost, it's on the verge of unwieldy. 
Did you know uh, so many applications? Well, do you know why they have so many applications? Because they've been doing it since like 1953 or no, something. No, no, no. 1955. 55. They developed the very first monotube shock, which is the gold standard today. They were founded in 1873. Oh, I was could not have been further off. You'll like this. Their first customer was Mercedes Benz. How about that? And in I 2020, like did that, you know yeah. they did a podium sweep? First, second, and third overall at the Pro 2 Lucas Oil Short Course Race. And then in 2021, Pike's Peak Class victory with Randy Popes and the unplugged performance Tesla Model S Plaid. Wait, that just happened. That, it did just happen. So there's a lot of history with Bill Stein. On top of that, Bronco ESC V-Shocks on the uh, Haas package. Ram GRX Blackhawk E-Squareds, 8100 direct fit bypass and smooth bodies for JL and JTs. And uh, you, of course, have the new uh, Toyota upper control arm. So if you're looking for any type of those suspension bits, you will not be disappointed by uh, getting something from BillStein.com. And I appreciate that listeners. So check this out. A friend of mine in customer service at Bill Stein sent me a bunch of emails today of listeners who emailed them saying, um, I'll read one right here. How about one from uh, our listener, Brent Claussen, who uh, said, uh, what shocks would you recommend for a 2013 F-150 FX4 crew cab with the 3.5 EcoBoost? My wife says it rides too rough, so I'm looking for the most comfortable ride. I listened to the Truck Show podcast, and Sean Holman has me convinced your products are the way to go. Yeah, buddy. Directly from customer service at Bill Stein, who said thanks for the referral. Dang. And that wasn't the only one. So really appreciate you guys, uh, I guess, believing in us and trusting us with our sponsors, because we like to hook ourselves up with the the best companies out there. And one of those companies for uh, accessories is DZ, the quality truck accessory people. DZ has been manufacturing truck and SUV accessories in central Iowa since 1977. Their products get you work ready with toolboxes, transfer takes, side steps, and truck bed protection, and weekend ready with overlanding products, roof racks, and Jeep accessories, just to name a few things that they do. Check out their full product line at DZ.com. That's D-E-E. ZEE.com, or you can follow them on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube to be the first to know about new products at DZ Manufacturing. That's D E E Z E E M F G on the socials. Our socials are at Truck Show Podcast on the gram, Truck Show Podcast on Facebook, and that's all we want you to send us messages on. Or you can follow us at Sean P. Holman at LBC Lightning. Oh, how's Wreck It Rim doing? I sent you, uh, uh, I tagged you in a couple this week. You, you did, yeah. I think we're up to uh, just shy of 100, <laughs> 100 followers. And eight and, posts. And um, yeah, not, not as many posts as I would have liked. <laughs> There's some weird thing where people are trying to DM us photos and they're getting a rejection message. Like we, for some reason, with that account, can't accept DMs. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we don't have enough subscribers yet or or what the heck is, but send your- flagged. Send your, I don't think so, send your wrecked rim photos to at LBC Lightning. I will then transfer them over. We'll grow the we'll grow the account, and then hopefully at that point you'll be able to DM us and tag us and everything else. But uh, at Wreck It Rim, I, I, I'm just doing that for fun because my 16 year old thinks it's you know it's wacky and whatever. All right, can we uh, end this dog and pony show? I think episode uh, 199 was our last one to suck with 200 under our belt. Well, technically episode 190, but with everything we've done. 199. So now far. you're conf- you're just confusing right, anyway, people. Long story short, we should be better next time. Is what I'm saying. Are you two on crack? If you think you'll ever get better at broadcasting, then you are higher than a kite. <laughs> Joke's on her. We're not broadcasters. We're podcasters. Ooh, true. Burn. Face. <laughs> Face. <laughs> I haven't heard that in forever. 
The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of The Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. I, that, that, that.